Mark, when are you going to play Xeno Gears? Never. Not, he's not. What do you mean never? Are we recording right now? Why would you say never? I bought it for you for your birthday, first of all. Oh, so that's kind Zeno's of a mean thing to say. Now. You said Zeno. Here's the thing, JJ. Hold on. <laughs> Never mind. I, 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 thought <laughs> I thought you asked about. Zeno's what are you going to play that Chronicles? game I got you? Never. It's kind of suck like, it. It's the old. It's the old school. Scene. You know, we're here to talk about Xenoblade, so I just was half listening to you and assumed you had said. Oh, what Xenoblade. a shocker! I, I, I half surprised so. Mark to be like, "Hey, hey JJ, you want to buy this game I got called Xeno Xeno Gears?" And you're like, "I bought that for you for your birthday." And he's like, <laughs> I, "Do you like it? I love it." <laughs> <laughs> you are terrible. Thank you so much. My feelings aren't hurt. You're welcome. You know, that much. You're welcome. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 71 of the Frozen North Gaming Podcast. My name is JJ, and I'm here with my two friends and co-host, Mark. Howdy, y'all! I'm sitting next to Brian right now. And, and Brian. <laughs> I, 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 I'm Brian. That's that's all. Oh, boy. Episode 70, number one. 70. <laughs> episode 70, number one, which is four away from 75, which that's also an arbitrary number, so we're just going somewhere. It's We've just been recording for the last, like, two hours, and we're it's, loopy. like, 1030 oh. almost. And you're so you're we're destroying the illusion. I, You know what? If anything, it's going to make it seem more magical. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. 70, <laughs> number one. I'm going to use my power of editing. Uh, we are talking Xenoblade Chronicles today, and boy, do we have a lot to say about it. I mean, it's a big game, so expect a big, long-winded discussion. I'm predicting that it's going to (laughs) take a long time to get through. Crystal Ball says we're going to have a lot to say about this game, (laughs) but only because A, it's a great game, and and B, it's a long game. So C, Mark will never play it or finish it. (laughs) He's not arguing. No, I know. know. He knows what's up. He knows what's up. Oh, what, 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 what is your like threshold? What hour limit of a game would you be just nope? Where do you? Just, I don't know, man. It depends on the push? game. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, it does. Mass Effect. He, I, I, yeah. that's Mass very Effect true. Two. That's very true. That's a that's a forty to fifty hour game right there. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Okay. That shows okay. Don't, don't, I, don't I, be hating. No, I. You, you got. You put, <laughs> I'll tell hey. you what, though. I'll, I'll beat any game that's like four hours long. Right. Any game that's four hours long, as long as it's not completely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to play some garbage game. <laughs> I guess yeah, but you play City Skyline, so uh, I guess it shows I walked how into that you walked into that. Yeah. I guess it shows how good Mass Effect Two specifically was. That was the longest one that you that you yeah. played it and beat it, yeah. and it's a you know forty plus hour game. So cool. we him and I both got through that in like a week and a half. Yeah, it was so crazy. I, I can see though. I can see Mark. Give me a high five. There it is. There's that high five. Uh, so what have you guys been playing? Mark, go ahead. I've been playing Deus Ex: Human Revolution. I've put about, I don't know, 20, 25 hours into the game in the past week. And how many saves comes? Oh, all kinds of saves comes. <laughs> so many saves comes. Gotcha. It was creepy the way you said that. <laughs> all kinds of saves comes. That's my favorite. Yeah, take no. a step. No, I, I, I messed up my no-kill streak because I threw this gas grenade down into a hallway, and I think it spooked some guards, and they went and killed this guy I was supposed to rescue. Dang oh, it. Good and one. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not. 
<laughs> doing my... Oh, and then I saved a bunch of times without thinking about it. That was probably like within the first like 20 minutes of the game, <laughs> yeah. too. Well, it's I, like, oh, man, my perfect run. I watched him play <laughs> it. No, no, we... man. I was, uh, it was in Hong Kong that I did that. That's like halfway through the game. I'll, I'll take your word Let for me it. describe Mark's... I watched him play it when we had our LAN party at my house, and it's uh, in cover. Shoot a guy. Save. Move to new cover. Save. Shoot a guy. Save. <laughs> Move to new he cover. Say, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, Mark's, it's real. It's great. But that's how, how he likes to play games, so I can't criticize yeah, him. Yeah, I put 25 hours into it this week doing that. Heck so yeah. clearly Give I enjoy that. it. High five again. There you go. Is that all you've been playing? That's it. All right. I have been playing The Witcher 2, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been good. You in Flotsam? Wait, what? You in Flotsam? Yes. Okay. I'm in gotcha. Flotsam. I was like, are you making up words no, now? What? The, the yes, first area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I beat the prologue, gotcha. and... Uh, can you I ar- like it so far. It's can, all it's better. Can you already tell it's worlds better than one? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting the way the voice acting? They're all the same voice actors, but the voice acting is way better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it CD Projekt Red really made like they learn. They, that's why I like the company. They're really good about like, hey, we you know our sound quality was kind of poor. Let's yep. do better. They just sound bored in the first game. Yeah. I beat uh, I beat two games in the past Ooh, two weeks. Man, Mark, that's a good two. Boom. Games. That's a good lifetime for Mark. I beat <laughs> Halo 2. Uh, knocked out Halo 2 on the Master Chief Collection. And I... You know what? Halo 2 for multiplayer was my favorite one back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think I liked the first one as far as the story goes mm-hmm. a little bit yes. better. Not that it was bad. Well, I just... I don't know. 2 basically like is like... The first part's like, it's going to be a new story. And then it's like, now nah, we're just going to do one again. <laughs> yeah. Basically. That's yeah. what it yeah, is. A surprise. The flutter back. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're right. playing what it. What a shocker. It wasn't, playing, mm. Yeah, you're playing it. It's the story. If the story was a narrative, it'd be like, and then you do this cool thing on Earth. And then, oh, we're just going to do one story real quick. And you're like, what? what? Yep. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I also finished Silent Hill 2. Oh, God. I don't know how you did that by yourself. Uh, and I finished it at 11.30 p.m. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Were ev- oh, was every was... single light on in this in this apartment? Dude, I cannot. Like, if you've played the game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. But I cannot hear radio static now. Like, if I hear it, oh, it God. will freak me out. That is the worst part when, you mm. know, enemies mm-hmm. get close and it's like. Mm. You're just like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. But I told, if, if anybody remembers the last time we did, our, when we did our Sweet in 2 episode and we had Ryan on mm-hmm. uh, from the SRM, I had promised him i was like next time you know before you come on again i will have beaten silent hill 2 well i did it and he was the first person i told yeah. when i did it and i was like well finally beat silent hill 2 and all of a sudden just the flood of messages and he's like oh we gotta talk about this we gotta talk about this yeah. i'm going crazy and like he's dude talking to him is like one of the coolest things in the world because he's got so much insight mm-hmm. and he looks so far deep into these things like he was pulling out these meanings of things that i'm just like i didn't yeah yeah i noticed that yeah, i didn't at all nope yeah uh but i mean like i mean I, I, it was just very very i mean if you've heard him on the show you Absolutely. know that he's able to very look intelligent into this stuff and i i really think this would be a good one to kind of do a a, a review on eventually I want Mark to play it though. Shanna's gonna I, play I, it for him. Yeah, I know. No, I know. Okay. But I, I think I, I, I'd like you to experience the story. And and I yeah. told him this too. I was like, because he, he asked. He was like, "Are you gonna talk about it on the show?" And I was like, "I would love to." I want Mark to play it though, because I think he Mark would love would it. love the story in the game. It's it's definitely your type. Uh, just <laughs> you gotta it, get past the the freak factor. Hey, that's real street cred on your scary gameplay. I mean, seriously, that game that is do not. It. That game is not 
for like the people who don't like if you don't like scary games, Silent Hill Two is like the king of don't play. I mean, the atmosphere alone is like absolutely skin. But like, it wasn't even yeah. It, it wasn't even like the uh, the sound direction is, is what was really good about it. It wasn't yeah. even like if a monster came on the screen. That's when I got less scared. That's why I'm saying because I was like, okay, there you are. I can fight you. <laughs> I know right, where you cool. are. Yeah. But before that moment, oh, I was terrified. Yeah. But so if man, people write in frozennorthpodcast@gmail.com. Tell Mark to play this game. I'll yeah. play it. Well, uh, Shannon will it, play it's it. Like no, wait, I'm not going to play it until someone emails us and tells me. To I play beat it. it in seven hours. It's short. Yeah. Nice. It's really short. So I I would say maybe like have a, a an FAQ handy just in case you get like a lot of the stuff is really hard to find the puzzles and everything yeah um don't use it unless you have to obviously because it's really really good to to kind of experience everything organically mm-hmm. but there's a few items that it's like I would have never gone back to this it's place very to look like at it. it's actually Resident Evil like hard mode it's like even hard like remember the old Resident did you ever play Resident Evil back in the day. No, I'm asking the wrong golly. I, I make a I mistake bought, every time. Uh, hey, I bought it on Steam. Hey, did you ever play that video game? I bought the remastered Steam version. <laughs> really? He he owns it. <laughs> yeah, come on, I I own it. I always do that though. I'm like, did you ever play that game? No, I'm look. I'm looking at Mark right now. <laughs> I, I played Half Life, but I, yeah. So we we will eventually get to that, and I I I think I think it'd be a good talking point for you. On yeah. there, seriously, yeah. that the story is definitely one Mark can get to dive his brain into. Seriously, um, and then I also, as you guys saw earlier today, I was playing Final Fantasy Online, but not fourteen, eleven. Ooh, going old school. I got access to my old old email account, and uh, I was able to reactivate my old Final Fantasy eleven account. Which I mean. I mean, the first thing I did was tell you guys, I was like, if I can get into my account, I won't see you guys for the next three months. Goodbye. Well, it's true. I freaking just, I was ecstatic and I was so excited. And like the past couple of days, I'd go to work and I would just think about Eleven like crazy because I freaking love that game. Anybody who's coming into it now is probably going to hate it and think it's stupid. But man, and they've changed it so much since then. I could I could gush for a long time. I'm going to try and cut, keep it short. But uh, needless to say, I plan on playing Eleven quite a bit uh, over the next few months. So, mm-hmm. Bismarck server. If anybody wants to wants to hop on there and check it out, let Mark, me know. Mark Bismarck's the whale from six. B- Bismarcky server. That's not. Nope. Do you even know what song he sings? Did you even know he was a singer? Just a friend. Oh, look at that! I'm wow, right, Brian, what you been playing? Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, also final, uh, an online Final Fantasy, and Good Night Irene. This might actually. I'm not kidding you. This might actually be my favorite Final Fantasy game, story-wise. As weird as that sounds, it is amazing. And the boss fights in that game are so epic. They did a great job with that game. I can't give Squeenix and uh, Yoshi P enough credit for the story. I mean, honestly, uh, it will rival any Final Fantasy. I mean, I haven't played all of them. I'm still on my journey. Give me a little break here. But (laughs) it might end up... I'm not quite done with Heaven's Ward yet, but... It might very well be my favorite Final Fantasy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, for sure. It is great. Yep. All right. If you would like to email us, you can do so at frozennorthpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is fngaming.net. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash frozennorth. Our Twitter is at fnpodcast. Our blog is frozennorthpodcast.blogspot.com. We are on iTunes where we would appreciate you subscribing to and rating us. Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to, we talked about him last week, Shinra. Uh, well, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shinra, they actually uh, 
they they heard our show and they they said they loved it and they actually mentioned us on their recent video on YouTube, uh, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Um. And we, we Mark and I were giddy like little girls when we heard that and stuff. I wasn't. So. I was giddy like a boy because I'm a man. I don't know. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but, <laughs> Damn it. Uh, but uh, I mean that that was just so cool to hear and 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 just to know that they 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 acknowledged us was <laughs> enough. Yeah, you know, it was we, amazing. we were Pretty just cool. like. That's so cool. So, Shinra.com. Go check them out. S-H-I-N-R-A. Awesome stuff they're doing. And, I mean, you can go listen to episode 70. We, we gushed about them for, for a while. So, go check them out for sure. They are awesome, and they're doing some great stuff in, in the future. All right. We are going to hop over to our review of Xenoblade Chronicles now. Uh, we are actually bringing in Isaac, who is, uh, if you go to our site, you will see a bunch of video game reviews on there. And he wrote most of those. Mm-hmm. Um, great writer, really good guy, yep. and uh, he he's he loves Xenoblade, so we had to bring him in for this because yes. it, he is like our resident Xenoblade expert. Yeah, he's got a great attention to detail too. Definitely, it's, definitely, and you'll, very you'll impressive. hear that in the uh, in the review. So, without any further ado, let's hop on over to us. All right, let me get up and uh, move over there. <clears throat> yeah, okay, let's got it. You there? Okay, here we go. All right, and we are here, ready to do a review of Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, I mean, I'm going to start off by saying best game on the Wii right there. So, boom, um, right there. Hold on. Wii Sports. The, number the, one. Best, the most, best game. Most popular, sure. Number one. Yeah. It's Anyways. Number one. We have a uh, we have we have a guest joining us today. Uh, we got uh, Isaac. He's our he's our reviewer on the website, and I'm gonna just pretend my voice didn't crack right there. We got puberty over uh, here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. But uh, Isaac, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. I guess talking about Xenoblade. <laughs> Heck yeah! So. This is uh, this is your favorite game of all time. Your bread and butter, right? It is. It's uh, you know Final Fantasy 14 is creeping up on it, but Xenoblade has the top spot for right now. So very cool. Very cool. And it's uh, I mean. I don't think. Well, Mark hasn't played it, but oh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna review it. But I don't think Brian and I would would argue that it's a phenomenal game. Yeah, it so. is. Uh, okay, well, let's get right into this freaking review. Let's dive in. Developed by Monolith Soft and Nintendo, published by Nintendo. Um, Isaac, can you give us a kind of a, just a little rough overview of the uh, story of the game? Yeah, sure. Okay, stop me if you feel like this is full of tropes because it actually is. This is a very tropey beginning of a story. So it starts off with. Um, these two giant god-like, basically, almost imagine them as, as giant beings fighting, and um, eventually come to a standstill, and then life begins to sprout on their bodies, and it cuts to the you know present where you've got a long-haired youth by the name of Shulk who happens to be a shy inventor. Yeah, okay, that's probably like three tropes right there, and he's trying to unlock the secrets of a magical sword. That's fourth trope, <laughs> and he and through that he finds out that. There's a lot more to the sword than he thinks, uh, and very important things happen to people around him that cause him to go on a journey to um, fight an evil, basically an evil group of sentient robots known as the Mechon that reside on the Titan that is opposite of his. He lives on the Bionis, which is the, as the name suggests, the you know bion- uh, biological Titan, and the Mechon, who are the robots he's trying to fight, live on the Mechonis, which is the uh, mechanical Titan. And he goes on a journey with his friends. Uh, meets lots of interesting people, ranging from uh, some characters some people call annoying <laughs> to um, very, 
I think, deep characters, and there's even a few surprises along the way. Uh, story takes lots of twists and turns. It's too complicated to explain once, but that's the basic premise. A person on a journey. It's a, it's a classic hero's journey at the beginning. And it, um, it unfolds into a little, a little tiny bit of political drama. It's not Final Fantasy XII, but it unfolds into a little bit of political drama. And um, along the way, you know, he experiences a journey and it begins to realize who, like who he is who people around him are what the worlds really mean and what's the secret behind the sword the monado um which is the only thing that can kill the mech on that he's trying to defeat and that's a rough very rough wrap up of xenoblade the story is much more you know in depth definitely I, I also i really really want to drive the point home like one of the the most impressive things about this game is the setting and oh, yeah. like like you said, the the uh, Bionis and the Mechonis are j- just these two titans who are basically like just big giant uh, humanoid looking things that are just locked in combat. Yeah. yeah, but they are the size of what we would think of as like bodies of land that yeah. you know people are yeah. living on. Creatures are all over the place. I mean, you're exploring these things and you're literally walking like. Yeah. One zone is the head of the Bionis. The right. next is the shoulder, uh, left yeah. leg, the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, they're huge. Yeah. And that's that's kind of one of the big draws to this. Yeah, at one point you run yeah. across the sword of the Mechonis and, you know. Just driven deep into the side of the Bionis. Yep. And as you, you can cross mm-hmm. and you can see the different landscapes, you know, intermingling and stuff. That the Wii doesn't exactly have the most powerful hardware, but the sense of the sense of scale that comes with that mm-hmm. is, I've always felt, was very impressive. Yeah. Oh, so. I mean, considering it's on the Wii. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what they did with it is like <laughs> what they did. The vistas were still like you were. You're like, whoa, this is on the Wii. You, yeah. That's yeah. I'm, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I don't mean this to sound negative, but you kind of look at that and you say like, what if this was on the PS3 or it, you know, exactly? Like oh, that. Yeah, you kind of sure, feel yeah. like wasted potential at that point, but they but, did a great. You know, yeah. They right. did given a fantastic the low development job. Cost, you know, given the low development cost of the Wii, you know. Maybe it wouldn't have been nearly as possible on a more complicated platform, you know, to, to give True. that sort of that sort of you know open world, or at least you know kind of open mm-hmm. world like Xenoblade is, is very hard to perform on on the on that harder hardware without you know large large teams. So maybe the fact it was on the Wii was a was a good thing in the end for it. Because, Could be, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, all right, so we'll we'll get right into uh, get right into pros. Mark, uh, what do you got for pros? Right, yep. Uh, <laughs> for my first pro, I would say. I always have a fun time listening to you guys talk about this game. <laughs> um, I like the the voices that you guys do for all the different characters. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Brian, what's the name of the episode? Uh, <laughs> what a bunch of jokers! Oh, oh, that was yeah, worse than ever. Not yeah. offensive at all. Nope. nope. That's what it's called, but uh, it's what a bunch of jokers. What a bunch of jokers! <laughs> what what was the that? That's like drunk Sean Connery. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Oh man. Oh, so wrecked. I can't do the uh Cockney British accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay, well I, I mean I, I guess I Mar obviously Mark has not played this game. Um yeah. it's just a little too much of a game for him. So <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I mean it's it's a it's a huge time sink. It took me a long time to play. It took Brian a long time to, to play it, and um, it's very I, long. Mark would have had to go out and buy it, and which you you have three DS, right? But you don't have yeah, a new one, not the new one, right? Yeah. So yeah. you would have either either had to get a new three DS or get the game on the right. Wii. So it was I mean, it, it was a lot of obstacles. I mean, he'd have to buy it, which is that's a big obstacle, and then he'd have to buy the system to play it on, which is a big obstacle. But then the biggest obstacle of all is he'd actually have to play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would have no trouble starting the game. Well, That's exactly. 
<laughs> Mark is the ultimate serial video game starter. I guarantee you, you though, you would you would love the music in it for sure. Oh yeah, uh, that okay. sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean that's that's one of my biggest pros right there is the music. I mean it's just I every single time that I started up the game, I remember I I played it uh, last year, but every single time I started up, I had to listen to the opening theme because it was yeah, absolutely it was very gorgeous. Good. Yeah, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna go on to the next thing. But if you got something to say about the music, go for it. Oh, uh, well, that's like the—that's my favorite thing about the game, to be honest. You know, I, I love to death everything else about the game, but the music to me is in a, a completely different league from music that I've heard in a lot of other games. And you know, I'm a—I'm a—I love Nintendo a lot, so I can call forth you know a bunch of different memories I have from musical pieces from across all of Nintendo Spectrum and Library and across all, the, all of other all the rest of gaming. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, Xenoblade has like the best soundtrack I've ever heard in a game. It it is next level. You know the musicians were really really pushed to the limit by the producer. You know Tetsuya Takahashi. He, they said that it was the most stressful environment they've ever worked in because he kept sending them back and back, you know back to back, working to redo the music every single every single time. He you know they they came with it to him, and it really shows the fact that these are really finely crafted pieces, in my opinion. Now, there's a few tracks that uh, I'm kind of bleh about. You know the, the Valak Mountain soundtrack isn't exactly the best. It's a little, eh. But some of the you know best songs, you know, um, those who fight further, and um, the boss theme, the final boss theme, you know, all of them are, and Gar Plains especially, which is I, th- I felt was a very very good piece. All the music I feel like is just you know crafted in such a way that um, it, they even said they tried to make it like a feel like a, almost like a movie soundtrack, so they extended the length of the songs. Um, they felt like they wanted it to be like a like a you know quick, um, but able to you know be looped easily and it really shows the fact that this was a very this this music was held under very tight editorial control by the producer and he used it to match instead of just compliment you know his, the, the way the world was being designed and everything and I, I think it's the strongest pillar of the game in my opinion I would say that uh, I agree I'd say I put it just below Final Fantasy XIV's already overtaken Mass Effect for best music I've ever heard in a game. Whoa. Uh, yeah. With Soken's tracks. Wow. Enough. It is good. Soken so, is great. Yeah, Soken's yeah. got... Um, dude, some of the music in that game I could just I could just listen to uh, yeah. like over and over again. And then, obviously, Mass Effect, that, that music is also un, like emotional driving. And then um, Xenoblade, yeah. the music definitely stood out to me as well as one of the best musical games you know out there. Very yeah, for cool. sure. Uh, and then I also have to like I brought up the the setting. That's probably yeah. my favorite part of the game. Is I, for one, oh man, I wish there was like a flying mount or something, which we are going <laughs> to be getting in uh, in the new Xenoblade Chronicles, which I'm so excited for, because yeah. I would have loved to have like been able to fly out and like look at the mm-hmm. the entire you know the the two Titans and then actually be able to fly right into one of those zones. Oh yeah, I think oh, that'd, that'd be great. so cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's it's a last gen game. I right. don't know that they, yeah. they would have had the power to do it's so, a, but it was a very unique setting. Yes. That's the thing that really stood out is, man, you do not see games that nowadays having such a unique setting like this. And it was that's one of yeah. the biggest intriguing factors of the game is, oh, man, I'm on one of these Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, in JRPGs, they're not exactly known for the most original settings. Right. It's very true. The time. Yeah. You're so. on a planet or you're uh, and you go to another planet or like through a portal or something. And it's always named like Eza Vazari Neve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. As of as of as of on arena bay. Yeah. No. Totally. <sighs> Sounds yeah. like a disease. I know. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, those those would have to be my two 
biggest for sure. I I absolutely adore it. And honestly, like to its credit, I I thought the the characters like the facial expressions and and stuff like that weren't the greatest when you got in close. No, but the graphics yeah. overall for a Wii game I thought were beautiful. And they even yeah. I, I think I've seen it on the Wii. It was even better on the uh, new 3ds. Um, yeah, not. I, I think not it's because. Te- go ahead. Not technically impressive. But aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Yes, that's a good yeah. way to put it. And Absolutely. On, on the new 3ds, it, the screen size is more condensed, so you don't have as much of the uh, the low resolution problem problems on textures. It kind of you know obviously smaller screen, smaller pixels, yep. so nothing's going to really pop as much when you when you look at too closely at it. So man, in a 3D they did um, well for it was absolutely phenomenal. I was so impressed that they actually made the 3D work well in that game. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what about you? I think my two battles to tell you my two biggest. It's going to be weird because there are, it's also going to be in my con, but I really like the battle system. Um, I'm a huge MMO player, and it very much mirrored MMO playing with your character auto-attacking. While you're in battle, you don't have to worry about just normal attacking, but mm-hmm. you do have to queue up moves. Funny enough about that, though, I didn't like the way it was set up, but I liked the idea of it where it was like, oh, yeah. I know I know this system. I play MMOs all the time. You queue up moves and you auto attack the whole time. So that was a big pro for me that I can just fall right into that uh, and uh, um, be uh, you know very sufficient at it. Um, and then I would have to say my second con in in you know I know Isaac pro or pro I'm sorry sorry pro <laughs> music. Uh, like I said, top you know it's on my top three as far as best music in games. So uh, I would have to say music was my um, second pro to that. Yeah, very sure. very good and very emotionally driving. And I think Mark agrees with me on everything. Yes. Yeah. All right, Isaac. What about you? Um, I think uh, I think about it is a good use of tropes, which I think is an interesting pro to bring up. But you know, tropes are not always a bad thing. There can be good action movies, you know, with stereotypical action heroes. There can be good JRPGs with stereotypical JRPG characters. And this, you know, this is going to be on my you know cons too, but. This they have very tropey, very stereotypical characters, but they're used in such a way where it really plays to the strengths of uh, of the of the tropes of the characters, in my opinion. Um, you know, they work. You know, there's a lot of friendship and brotherhood and stuff like that, but it works together in a way, in my opinion, that I feel like comes together at the end. And uh, I, I feel like that was a very strong point of, of the game. You know, I think it was a very diverse cast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark's over here nodding. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, if, I like to talk about tropes. I if anybody talk about that a lot, I was going to um, say, yeah, if anybody's listening has heard Mark's show, uh, The Fool's Lantern, that's like what they talk about quite a bit. Yes, is uh, is just tropes in, in TV tropes. shows and stuff. Yeah, and uh, just tropes in general. Tropes. It's all about the execution. Yeah. It's never bad or a good thing well, on you, its own. You have there's an, I, at this point, it's I mean, inventing a new trope is very difficult because there is always a trope right there's a trope for everything so it's all about it's all about the way you present that trope and i agree completely and you know like a subverted trope is always a super fun thing to see in a game or a show or whatever but yeah i digress yep uh what else you got for pros um interesting villains um they're not really more than one dimensional but their backstories of, of the villains there are multiple villains during different stages of the plot and their motivations um, especially for some of the latter villains, I found were very interesting. Um, some of the earlier villains you'll meet are a little bit more one-dimensional, but um, I feel like I felt like the, the latter villains really shined in how they were integrated into the plot and how they were more than they seemed in terms of uh, their beliefs and their personalities. 
I, you know what? I, I kind of have to agree with you on that. And I think Brian would too, having mm-hmm. played uh, Xeno Gears. Yep. If there's like, because I mean, I'm, I'm notorious for saying that, yeah, it's called Xeno Blade, but it's not connected to the others right. at all. And I, I've never really even seen it as a Xeno game. But if there's anything that does, that I do see similarities between the two, it is the fact that there are. It's not just one big storyline. There's a lot of smaller ones in there, and there's yeah. in in this game especially the villains stand out in each one of those smaller storylines. And Xenogears does the same thing. Absolutely, the character was. Uh, there are a few characters that, uh, just no. But <laughs> overall, overall they had. Um, but you guys know if you guys listen to the show, you guys know that JRPGs are not my favorite genre, and for a lot of reasons because there are too many tropes that are grading that I, I don't understand how they're enjoyable to people. So that was the only issue with some of the characters is like, Oh God, that, that it's, it's that character. You know what I mean? Like, I, Oh God, like here it comes. Yeah. So, but you know, other than that fleshed out characters is very important in a long game like that. If you don't know who the hell you're, you know, walking around with, who does, what does it matter? You know? Yeah. If there's no backstory to the people that are following you and you can't get attached to them, what, why you, you don't care about them at all. You're like, Oh boy, oh shoot. Definitely. All right. You got anything else? <laughs> Uh, yeah, last one for me. Um, biggest thing is the open world design. I love that. Um, funny story is, I, after I finished Xenoblade, I went and I tried to play you know, Final Fantasy thirteen. I, I like it to a degree, but the change was so jarring. Mm-hmm. You know, going from this massive open world, and in, in terms of you know, for JRPG at least, it was a massive open world to you know confines of, of the thirteen half. It was a big contrast for me. I think that drives home the point of just. Know how big I felt the world was. If it, yeah. even though it's probably not, you know, technically that big, I felt it was. It made itself feel big. So, no, I I hundred percent agree. I thought it was absolutely incredibly massive. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the. I mean, like I said, I would have loved to have had a flying mountain, been able to have seen the sure. scope of this giant that I've just <laughs> been walking on. You yeah. know, I mean, it's. I think it's so cool. I have a slight rebuttal to that in our cons, but we'll get to that in a minute. All right. Rebut McIntyre. Rebut Ma- I'm gonna have to bring out my old Rebut McIntyre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yep. All right. Well, then uh, with that, why don't we go ahead and move over to cons? Uh, I, again, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I honestly don't have too many. Uh, my good. biggest one is I'm just I'm just not crazy about the battle system. When you were talking though, Brian, I honestly I think I feel the same way you do. Yeah. I like that sense of like I like the auto attacking. Yes, and I think I think it has really really good potential to be able to queue up moves and and like use them as they're available and stuff like that. I just don't know that the execution exactly. was, was exactly what yeah. was what I was looking it for. It felt good, but then when you actually started using it, you were like, oh man, they could have done this so much better. And that's how I was thinking. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. I'm it's familiar. I I can wrap my head around it, but dude, the layout and the way they executed it, I was like, no. Yeah, I I can imagine because yeah. you know me, you know Brian and JJ have all played fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in there, you have a two point five second global cooldown, you know, and people complain about that all the time. Go to Xenoblade, oh, yeah. you know, there's well, there's nothing to do between moves besides auto attacking. Exactly, yeah. that was one of the big which, problems. Like I'm just sitting there, like okay. Which I didn't mind when I played, but after you know I played fourteen, I, I went back recently and played through some of Xenoblade again, and I was like, yeah, just kind of sitting here, you know. If you don't have one of the one of the damage characters that has like double the double attack gem or something, it can yep. be a little hard to feel like you're making any you know like a lot of ton of progress. Mm-hmm. So definitely, and the the auto attack, especially at the early levels, come criminally slow. So um, I would also say that just a small gripe that I have is the uh, it for me at least I don't I don't think Brian had this issue, but for me it picked up really slowly. I did not really even... 
if you've played the game, when you get Melia, that's where I started to actually like want to keep playing. Yeah. Before that, it was it was a slog, and I was like, I, I'm just bored. Yeah. There's just, uh, and it, that may have been my own fault because I was literally picking up every quest and trying to do it as I was going gotcha. along. Yeah, yeah so that's, that, that's the problem. Yeah. I, yeah, don't don't do that. Don't um, ever do that. I think if I had just just you know gone with it and gone for the main stuff and come back later on right. when I was grinding for yeah. experience or something, that would have been the way to do it. Yep. But I didn't, and I think I think it ended up hurting me in the in the long run. Maybe the reason I enjoyed it so much, and I didn't, I felt like the story was blazing along, honestly, because what I did was. I mean, I finished the game in 55 hours. I did no side quests the first time I played through it. None. So yeah. I didn't unlock any additional skill trees. I didn't do any of that. Didn't didn't do side quests because I, you know, I'd been I just finished, you know, playing uh, an MMO at the time, and I was done with grinding. And for me, I felt like the the plot sped along easily. But there are several down points after big plot spikes, basically, you know, big. Yeah. Um, plot changes that there's there are sometimes just like okay let's get to the next big cutscene yeah. yep. you know and uh, but I blazed through that that part so maybe that wasn't as big as a problem for me. Well, real quick, one of my tricks that I do and I do the same thing in fourteen any kind of MMO structure where there's a chock full of side quests is I RP it. I I continue my immersion if it's an yeah. urgent thing. So like say and and that's why I think that's why it benefited me in Xenoblade. Um, when when I, when I felt like I had to go do the main story quest, like oh my god, the character's in trouble, go save them. I would just yeah. go do that because I felt like if I sat there for three hours doing side quests, my you know my immersion just got shattered because while the girl's in distress in the mine over here, I'm over here running around fetching like you know coins and stuff for the characters. It's a big so, issue yeah. with MMOs. And it is, and so yeah. what I've what, the way I've I've always countered that is I'm like, okay, is this an, is this a a story quest where I can move on? Or is this a story quest where I can pause? Okay, there, no one's in a hurry. We're kind of at a, a media, like a what's the word, an intermission point where I can go do side quests and feel like my character doesn't need to be rushed somewhere. And it, it helps a little bit, but you're right; it's a very MMO esque problem. Definitely. Um, and then one one last thing that I had had an issue with is when you would switch out party members, having to change all the gems and oh all the gear gosh. and all yeah. the stuff. I hated. It, it that. was terrible. It was really bad that, execution. And it, for that, me, that could, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, for me, it's it's awful because I am somebody who, when I play JRPGs with party members that I can switch out, I love using everybody. So I will like go to a boss with a group, beat the boss, and then I'll be like, all right, I'm going to use this group to, for the next next run. And sometimes, I, oh, God, just like, just I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like, I didn't even want to. I was like, I don't want to have to go through, you know. Yeah, so I, I never used, I, I pretty much never used uh, Sharla yep. at all for the entire game. Yeah. I almost never used well, Riki. It didn't encourage yeah. it at all. No. Yeah, I, uh, I I use the exact same party from, you know, if you're, this is very light spoilers, from the time you get Dunban in the game, um, I used Shulk, Ryan, Dunban the entire rest of the game, except for one point in the final boss battle. Those are the two points that I used some, another party, but I used Shulk, uh, Dunban, and Ryan mm-hmm. the whole time. So that was never an issue for me, but, you know, I can understand why. It's a it's a painful process to change gear. Same issue Suikoden in to the two Suikoden games had didn't really foster a lot of changing out your characters because you had to go through the inv- that stupid inventory system. And the inventory system, that's uh, I guess that's a con we all can all agree on. The inventory system is pretty poor. 100%. I mean, yep, that was one of my cons. It's it can be very very grating to use it, especially for gear comparison. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh that I mean that's that's the big ones for me. Brian Okay, I'm going to rebut you on the, real quick, you guys pretty much saying all my cons, uh, I have two real quick. Number one, I'm going to rebuttal you on the size of the world. First of all, okay. I 
feel like Final Fantasy thirteen, uh, that world, and Xenoblade Chronicles should have been it should have been reversed in some ways. When you make a world oh, okay. that, and let me explain why. When you make a world that big, you have to make it feel not barren, right? I get you. And I get you. so I love the zones. Don't get me wrong. I love the scope. The problem is the hardware didn't allow them to make the world feel lived in. It felt extremely empty, and like all, I mean, there were there were some mobs here and there, but man, you run for like a like forty miles, and you're just like snow. And there's snow, nothing. Yeah, snow, no, you're right. Snow, Absolutely snow, and you're like, okay, this world feels really not lived in, and it breaks that like sense of scope. You're just like, this is a giant empty shell, and uh, hardware like Final Fantasy 13 came out on. That's what it fought. That's why it was so funny that Final Fantasy 13 was Corridor City because yeah. that's what you want to do. You want to make the scope, the its scope plus you know details of that scope that are very very important. I just got done playing a game that showcased that to AT and the Witcher three where the, the, the scope was massively off the charts. And it was also extremely detailed in what it put in the world. So the world felt big and right. felt extremely alive, which well, I didn't thing, feel in Xenoblade. The thing I could use maybe to rebut that a little bit is the story kind of makes it where it makes sense with the world's not lived in, honestly. And that helps a little bit. You know, there, there are sections of the, the, um, the world with it. There's, there's no sentient being that's been there for supposedly thousands of years, you know. So, I mean, I get that, but that I'm talking help, about... That can help a little bit, but right. I, honestly, first time I went through, I didn't notice, you know, how empty it was. I, when I replayed it recently, I was like, good lord, there's <laughs> these large sweat, especially in Valak Mountain, which I, is one of my least favorite zones. And I'm always going to encourage... I'm so. always going to encourage big zones. I'm just saying that it just needs to feel more detailed when you do a big zone, or else you're going to be yeah. running around into a, a barren wasteland and feel very like, okay, I'm. I'm I would have liked alone. more smaller settlements or something. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. condense it a little bit and feel like the world is a little bit more lived in and more vibrant in I some agree. areas. Like obviously, if you have yeah. a big a barren desert, that's fine, but the whole place felt like that. And a faster walking speed probably would have helped with that. <laughs> yes. yes, no joke. That would have been another great thing for flying mounts. And, and then my last <laughs> con, and of course, you all know. My tip, my classic JRPG con is please don't go JRPG at the end. I'm never going <laughs> to give you a pass on that. <laughs> this one kind of went full, full JRPG, um, but we're going to uh, just to kind of bring that up a little bit after after the show is over. Uh, stay tuned after the credits. We are actually going to do a bit of a spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. That way, if you haven't played the game, you know, you don't need to listen to that. We're not going to just throw please it in don't. your face. Please um, don't ruin yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that if you haven't played the game. Absolutely agreed, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but if you have played the game and you want to, you know, you want to, you want to kind of just hear us talk about it, we're we're going to be going in, in a little bit more in depth into yes. the story and and uh, some of the things that happened. Yep. So we'll we'll address that at that point for sure because yep. the ending okay. was. The ending was, oh, God. That's, that is literally my, I actually said that out loud, but I've done that with many JRPGs where I literally physically say, oh, like, not a, not again. It happened with 10 to, or 13 too as well. I'm, no. But, hey, it's me. I'm JRPG anti-guy. All right. Yeah. Isaac Kahn's. Uh, one one I, I just thought about, and it, it's a really big con in my opinion. There's a section in the game that they don't really tell you about, like, um, there's a cutoff point. There's basically two lockout points in the game. There's one point where a giant portion of the, the available land is cut off for the rest of the game, and it's not really told before the story happens. And I think for completionists or for people that just want to you know, keep it, parts of the uh, world open, it, was, it made a lot of sense in the story, but it really hurt you know, if you didn't get everything from there. Yeah. And, um, that happened to me. Yep. yep. And it 
it's unfortunate, you know. But, I mean, the game does, does give you some sort of warning. It tells you which quests are timed, and they'll go away eventually. But still, that's a, that's a, that's a big blow, in my opinion, too, the, the, the game's yep. strength. But um, another problem I have, uh, honestly, it's the graphics. I mean, the game renders at 640 by 480. Yeah. Uh, to give perspective on that, you know. Um, I love the aesthetics of the graphics. They're pretty. But those character faces, yeah, you know. bad. <laughs> you know, when, when eyes are textures, that's when you know it's bad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I played this game on, honestly, I played this game back when I only had a Wii. So I didn't have a, fa- I didn't have a fancy gaming computer. I didn't have a PS3 or an Xbox 360. I only had a Wii. So I wasn't terribly, you know, disappointed by the way the graphics looked. Come back to it today, though, even upscaled on the, on the Wii U, it still looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look at games with the, what the hardware is capable of, you know, with the last story, the faces looked a lot better. It was obviously a much smaller scale game, but it shows you what the hardware is capable of in terms of facial models. You look at, um, I hate the game, but look at Metroid Other M. At least it's a kind of a pretty game, you know, right. for, by, Wii U stand, by Wii standards. And um, I knew they had to do that so everything would render fine in the open world, but I, I felt like that. I didn't really, I didn't really care for that. So, but you know, it's not, it's not their fault. You know, they, they put it on the Wii, and I completely, completely understand that. I mean, I, I think they did the best they could with what they had. Yeah. So, I I, yeah. I can't think of any other Wii games that look, you know, as aesthetically pleasing as sure. this one. So. Yeah. Uh, um, anything else? Yeah. Two more cons. One's a pro con. All right. Here's the pro con. The old the old uh, Frozen North pro con. <laughs> uh, the character Ricky. All right. We're not going to go into like uh, in a detailed explanation about him, but he's the stereotypical the tropey you know animal character basically he's the jar jar binks he's the yeah, tags, the tags one on character in every jrpg they have to have the hi we need a this is what they do in a boardroom they sit around and go we need a really annoying character <laughs> that, that's word for word that's, that's what they literally do. what they do Absolutely. and then somebody goes let's yep. make a really annoying character who's squeaky <laughs> and that they describes <sighs> ricky to be honest you know ricky yeah. is in my opinion he he's more annoying than he is good but he had some really good scenes, you know, during the the last half of the game. I felt that kind of added to it, you know, took away some of the silliness, added a little bit of character depth. He's a very silly character. He's very he's very funny in some ways, but he can also grate on your nerves after a while, especially during yeah. his introduction. But he's he's uh he you know he's a funny character, but he can really overstay his welcome sometimes. He's also got a couple of heartwarming moments he though does. to his credit. Yeah. They all do, but I'm I'm telling no, you, man. I, I agree. I I never used him. Yeah. I just nope. He's a great character though. He's one of the most like honestly overpowered characters in the game because he uses dots, you know, damage over time. Yeah, with most of his attacks, and he can is one of like the two characters that can max out HP at the end of the game. Well, I, so. I dang man, I should have spent two hours to change my equipment and put. JJ Ricky Dicky. Yeah, it's smart of you, JJ. Though, not wow. to use Charla. Though. That's literally Charla's that's literally character. how he talked, Mark. Uh, yeah, I wasn't wasn't a big fan of her. I think I used. Uh, oh, I loved Charla. The Dunban qu- and Shulk, obviously, and uh, Melia for the most part. I love Charla. In fact, I still have in my dreams. I still hear heal bullet, heal <laughs> oh, <laughs> bullet. No. Statistically, analytically, she's <laughs> the worst character in the game. Honestly, and I used yeah. her for the almost until I got. Uh, uh, Dunban, I used her literally the entire game. She was one of my like staple characters. <laughs> yeah, I beat that. And I beat it. Probably because you hard... just didn't want to change her gear out. I know I didn't. I was just like, <laughs> I got her early on the game, and I was just like, well, I just geared out. Nail bullet. 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah. All right. The problem is, you know, Xenoblade's not really designed about having a healer. But yeah. I, I, dig- yeah. I digress about that. Um, I learned that final late. Thing, final thing is more of a uh, personal preference. I hated some of the ar- armor designs in this game. Expect n- number one that there's no like in Final Fantasy XIV, a glamour system. You know, where you can change what your character looks like they're wearing yep. compared to what the armor looks like. Because um, some of the armor designs, especially for um, the character, the last character that you get, I'm not going to spoil that, last character that you get, and for Sharla, are really, like, some of the dumbest-looking outfits I've ever seen. And, you know, Ryan's ultimate armor, for example, is, like, horribly and horrible in terms of aesthetics. And uh, there are some very cool outfits, but it's mostly the, the default outfit the characters came with. So I thought like there should have just been a little option to be like, do you want to use the way the character looked like at the beginning of the game or when you first got them as, right. you know, in cutscenes, or do you want to use the, armor, the way the armor looks? Because some of the armor designs are just plain awful. I honestly, opinion. I can't think of too many like single player games though off the top of my head that actually do let you. I love that. Make your character look like like the way you want it to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're pretty no, much just kind of at the mercy of whatever's well, in the whatever, game. Yeah, whatever's yeah. there. It's coming in Xenoblade Chronicles X. But oh yeah. It's a new uh, game plus feature only. So yeah, but I'm I'm more excited for the uh, the mechs that you oh, get to man. actually. Yeah. Uh, well, you get to design them and oh, have your own garage yeah. and all. That. I mean, oh, that's as they, that's as they say uh, around town. Baller status. If yeah. anybody shoot shoot us an email, uh, frozennorthpodcast at gmail dot com. Let us let me know your uh, your Wii U sign on name. Because I will I will play with people. I know Isaac and I already talked Phrasing. about we're going to be playing together. So yeah, totally. Phrasing. That's not. I wasn't phrasing. I, you got me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. All right. So I mean, we'll we'll move past the cons, and uh, I mean, we'll go into the last part of the review, and that's do we recommend it? I think it's pretty clear. If you have yeah. a Wii, you should be playing this game, unless you don't have a Wii uh, or you don't want to spend the eighty bucks. Right. Yeah. The new Nintendo 3DS. If you have that, this is the yes. perfect time to play it. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah I think this will really drive it home. You know, if you don't have a Wii, you don't have a Wii U, you don't have a TVDS, and this is the only time I'll ever tell anybody this, I hate emulators, and I hate, you know, using ISOs from off the internet. This is the only game I ever will ever tell you. If you don't, you can't buy it, you don't want to buy it, whatever, just play it on an emulator. Play it on Dolphin, download it, I don't care, find a way to play it. It's a great game. For the does not condone uh, emulation <laughs> of any kind. No uh, opinions here are reflected in the necessarily yeah. reflected by... No, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I hate, I hate emulators. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you can't afford it or whatever, you you cannot play it for some reason. I don't care. Find you what find a way to play it, and that's it. You know, <laughs> I recommend it full wholeheartedly. So. It is. It's a it's a fantastic game. I I've said it you know a thousand times over. It's the best game on the Wii in my opinion. Well, yeah, I, easily. I, I mean, and that you know, there's not much in the way of JRPGs on the no. Wii. No, I mean, but this the last game story is, is well, yeah, the last story is great too. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Uh, not quite on you know Xenoblade's level in my opinion. No, that's a lot shorter I, too. Yeah, I played the last story after Xenoblade, and uh, I didn't feel like the plot was quite as good. But um, you know, definitely, it's pretty much if you want a JRPG on the Wii, it's the last story in uh, Xenoblade, and kind of maybe sort of Pandora's Tower. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I recommend wholeheartedly. Well, as the uh, as the form, formal uh, formal authority on JRPGs, and this is because I. Um, they, I really anno- get annoyed by them. Uh, I can mm-hmm. say that uh, in general, this is probably one of the better JRPGs out there. Period. So, if you are a JRPG fan and you haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles, then I don't like you. <laughs> That's and, you know what I mean. Well, it's not. It's not mean. So you don't it's, like Mark. 
Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, wait, he doesn't really like game. Like I said, if you like JRPGs, Whoa! that's true. I said if you like oh. JRPGs and you and and you haven't played it, is that your rebuttal, Mark? Is oh, <laughs> oh. Well, then it. you backed him up, and I gave up. My uh, my, <laughs> my final point about it is this: um, I played this game two years ago, 2013. I have not found a game besides. I found JRPG or an RPG in general besides Final Fantasy XIV since then that I've liked as much as this game. So to be one of the first JRPGs I ever played, it was honestly <laughs> pretty bad to, to, to play it first because it uh, it threw me off from JRPGs. In my opinion, that's how, that's how good it is. It, that's how above the, the rest of JRPGs it is. Isaac got Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's yeah. not as a yeah. verb now. Yeah, he that's got true. Final yeah. Fantasy VII hard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, like like we said, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, just go back to the three of us here and uh, talk a little bit more. But after that, we're gonna do the credits and stay tuned to the show after the credits because we are going to. And when I say credits, I just mean any theme because we don't really have. Credits as soon as JJ, than, as soon as JJ <laughs> says keep on gaming, stick around. We're gonna keep on talking. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, with any without any further ado, let's kick it back over to us. Uh, us. <laughs> us. Okay. And we're back with just the three of us. Man, Xenoblade. I mean, such seriously. a good game. Yeah, I recommend it uh, highly. Mark Definitely. recommends it highly. And uh, like we mentioned after the show, stick around because we got a we got a spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, well, stick around if you haven't played the game. Yeah. Or if or, you whoa, have whoa, whoa. stick around if you have played the game, <laughs> or if you just really want to hear uh, the the spoilers, which I whatever. I'm not going to tell you not to. Listen to the spoiler. I'm going to tell you not to listen to it. Well, here's the Don't thing. Listen to it. Listen to it at your own peril risk. Your own discretion. Yes. Listen to it at your own discretion. Just make sure you just don't like it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great game. Go check it out. And uh, thank you, Isaac, for for taking the time out to talk to us. Okay, we're gonna do. I mean, no top five this week again, just because we were running so long. But we are going to do a quick news segment, and then uh, we'll end the show, sort of, and then yeah. get into that. We'll have an after party. But next next episode, I promise, we're going to be we we got a top five lined up. Uh, we're going to be doing top five. What the heck was it? Uh, replayable games. Top and five what, games with replay value. That's and right. we're going to yeah. discuss what makes games replayable and what makes games doesn't. True enough. What, what makes, makes games, games doesn't? <laughs> this gonna make a good show. <laughs> what, what makes games doesn't? This my thing, though. I like to talk about the what games doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's late. Indeed, it is. Brian, hit us up with some news. Mark, I need some futuristic Morse code sounds, please. Okay, guys, we got some news. That's we got some news today. I'm gonna keep this pretty brisk because we are gonna move right through this first bit of news. Miyamoto from Nintendo uh, basically addressed the delaying of Star Fox until uh, 2016. I'm going to read that for you real quick. Uh, Miyamoto says that I made a big decision last week. We have been developing Star Fox Zero for the Wii U with the aim of releasing it this year. Although we felt that the development had been progressing well, we now believe that we will need a little more time to work on areas such as the unprecedented discovery that we want players to experience in the game by using two screens and further polish the level of design and perfecting the tone of the cutscenes. While we all have already reached the stage where it would be technically possible to release the title in time for the year-end holiday season, 
We want to polish the game a bit more so that players will be able to more smoothly grasp the new style of play that we are proposing. So it doesn't look like Star Fox 64? <laughs> I this, this is the most vague uh, letter. To people looking forward to launch of the game in the holiday season, I am very sorry. Star Fox Zero is going to bring new gameplay and experiences that take it far beyond the framework established by Star Fox 64. All the members of the development team are doing our best so that the final product will not betray our expectations, and the game will not be delayed for a very long time. We're aiming for the game in quarter one of 2016. Please say, stay tuned for further announcements. What? He's talking like he was called to a congressional hearing or something. The way it, 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 to say it's not done. I, I know. It's, yeah. it's, oh, God. I, Nintendo just baffles my mind. I kind of think that they're going to try to push this back enough to get, get it with the NX. They got to have, I think they're trying to get titles for the NX. And so this is a good way to, like, classic knock, Twilight Princess. Knock them back, knock them back, knock them back so that they have a big, big, you know, they, they'll just still, I'd be frustrated. They're still going to release it for the Wii U. For the Wii U people, but I think they're trying to. I don't. This could be a, this completely my uh, my take on it. But why do, that? What did he say there that made any kind of contextual sense? He wants to make it better. It's it's not good. We're gonna make it better. It's gonna be great. Okay. Um, Unprecedented gameplay discovery. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the most jar- corporate jargony. Oh, yeah. We're gonna really capture its synergy, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. So we'll see. Nintendo continues to be Nintendo. Persona 5, for you Persona fans, has also been delayed. Uh, at the Tokyo Game Show, a trailer of the upcoming Persona 5 game had shown that the game will be released in summer 2016. So they didn't really actually tell anybody it was going to be delayed, but they uh, they put summer 2016 on there, and I think people were a little upset. Uh, <laughs> this is no... Um, and then they discovered that it's actually not a mistake. Uh, and then they when they pressed uh, the makers of Persona 5 about it, yeah, it got delayed. But that's a really weird way of... Oops. Oops. Yeah, it's delayed. <laughs> Sorry about that. Here's the video. Um, and then Mark, right up Mark's alley, PlayStation VR. Yes. So it's being said that it's going to be priced like, and this is in quotes, new gaming platform. Vague. Uh, according to SCE CEO Andrew House, PlayStation VR will be priced as a, quote, new gaming platform. Unquote, saying that the VR rewrites the rule book on how you can create games. I five hundred dollars. It's, uh, it's probably going to range um, between three hundred and five hundred dollars. Uh, Here's what's weird about that. Didn't yeah. they say like when they first announced that they were going to try and price it like a yes. like an add on, like a peripheral? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I what I don't know what this means. Like, I'd are pay they three hundred though? I right. Would. And that's kind of he didn't. Obviously, that's a very vague statement. Um, a new gaming platform is like a very broad range. So I'm guessing it's going to be on the lower end of the 300 to 500 range. But I mean, nah, it's going to be, it's going to be 500. Yeah. I, and you I think, think that's Mark, oh, yeah. Mark might be right. That might be why he's coming out and getting ahead of it and saying like, Hey guys, uh, this is going to be a little expensive. I think Oculus is going to be more. Wow. I mean, you're probably yeah. right. I would imagine. So the Oculus guys have been saying, Oh, it's going to be yep. for the cost of an Oculus and, a compatible gaming rig, you'll be spending fifteen hundred dollars. Right. So I'm guessing a thousand dollar rig and a five hundred dollar headset or yeah. something yeah. around Probably. there. 
I mean, it makes sense. It's a brand new thing, but damn, it's just going to be tough to get people into VR if they're not going to, you know. Clearly, no one wants to say the price. That no. tells me a lot. Yes, it's very vague statements like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of technology involved. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be some vague platitude yeah. about, oh, it's the price of a new yeah. gaming platform. Which but, which that's right. that's so broad. It could be, well, the 3DS is a gaming platform. Yep. Yeah, but anyway, uh, that's a little bit of news on that. I still think that uh, maybe companies are starting to, when they're now getting closer to the reality of VR, starting to realize the cost is a little bit higher than they had anticipated. So. I'll pay it. Um, well, yeah. Um, and then the last bit of news um, for you Kingdom Hearts fans. I know I'm one of them. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue is revealed. So we all have 2.5 and been playing through that. What this includes is it is going to c- include the uh, HD uh, remaster of Dream Drop Distance. This is the one that came out for the 3DS. The, you might be saying, well, Brian, what, uh, Brian, what else is in the game? There's no more. Hey. Isn't that an oxymoron? Final what? chapter prologue? It's a, yeah. <laughs> well, what was the name of uh, Japan? G- thank you. I was going to say, what was the name of the, um, uh, the, the yeah. Uh, yeah. Bump of chicken. Uh, bump of chicken. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final, Final chapter ch- prologue. Final chapter. Fight win. Fight, go fight win. <laughs> uh, it's going to include Dream Drop Distance, in which is uh, the, the bridge up to Kingdom Hearts 3. However, it is also going to include two. It's going to include two games that I don't think Americans got to see very much of, uh, and that includes Kingdom Hearts X back cover. That's another interesting title, and Kingdom Hearts zero point two Birth by Sleep. The it's a fragmentary uh, fragmentary passage. The former, which is Kingdom Hearts X black, uh, back cover is an HD movie, so it's not a game. It's a movie. And it's going to uh, connect the earlier parts of the series' history, um, which Kingdom Hearts Unchained X Chi details, and reveals more on the foretellers, which are a big... Um, yeah. As someone who's not on the Kingdom Hearts it's, train, yeah, this is yeah. not making the me foreteller, at all. The foretellers <laughs> are very, are very like mysterious uh, band of miscreants. Anyway. The latter of the two games, which is the Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, it's going to uh, take place during, obviously, the Birth by Sleep's timeline or storyline, and it's told from Aqua's perspective only. So you're going to get three games in there, well, one movie, two games, uh, but the HD, I think the selling point's HD Dream Drop Distance. So have at it. Indeed. (laughs) Final Chapter Prologue. It, it makes sense, final chapter prologue, because it's the final chapter before Kingdom Hearts three. They've been really trying uh, not to make uh, Kingdom Hearts Hearts three yeah, for a long time. <laughs> we know it exists. They it's showed production footage. It's in production, allegedly. So, we'll see. Anyway, that's your news for this week. I am your news host, Brian. The greatness of uh, uh, yes. Brian. Final chapter prologue. Yeah. Still, still stuck on that. Yep. Okay. Jetpack. Back door was that one of them was called? I have no idea. What you're Back door, Sally. <laughs> That's <laughs> not appropriate. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, thank you very much for listening. And as we said before, we got uh, a spoiler cast after the ending theme song. I kept saying after the credits. I don't know because we don't really have credits. We can make credits. We could. Uh, there, there is one thing, and it's Mark saying, "Our theme song is." That I should have memorized right now because yeah. <laughs> I have put it in the episode every single yeah. time. But you got to attribute those things. I yeah. do. Hey, it's in there. It's yeah. in there. It's in there. So, 
if you have played Xenoblade, again, I encourage you to listen because we're going to kind of break it down and yeah. talk about it. And uh, and Isaac, like I said, Isaac's got a lot of uh, great insight into the game, and he's gonna he's gonna really really go in deep with it. Yeah. And uh, Brian is gonna rip it a new one. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna give it the JRPG treatment. It's pretty pretty good. I, at least I'm gonna predict that it's pretty good. Yeah, because I'm gonna predict that we record it a little ha- bit ago. Correct. Uh, with that, uh, this is the Frozen North signing off for episode number 71. Thank you so much for listening, and if you, like I said, keep on listening if you, uh, have played the game. If you haven't, this is a good stopping point. You guys got anything else? Nope. Wanna go home and play Final Fantasy fourteen? Yay! I gotta say my name's Mark, because later I say my name's still Mark. I, well, I was gonna say... Thanks, Mark. You ruined it. You ruined it. Well, I didn't ruin it for myself. I'm delighted. My name is JJ. My name is Mark. <laughs> now it makes it's more late. sense. It's late. It's late. Now it makes more sense because you'll say it And here, times. I'm going to ruin it even more. And his name is still Mark. True enough. Oh, man. True enough. <laughs> oh. I'm Brian, guys. I'm Brian, though. If you didn't know, if you didn't know me, I'm Brian. And as always, keep on gaming. Our theme song was made available through the Creative Commons Attribution License by Ziphoid. The song title is Radical Fanfare. And we're back for a Xenoblade Chronicles spoiler cast. Yeah. Gonna be awesome. It is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna talk a lot. I can't wait to to hear some of this some of this stuff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So we we obviously you heard the review earlier on in the show. Um I, I wanna reiterate if you have not played the game, I strongly suggest that you stop right now. Yeah. Because we are gonna talk about, you know, the the ending and a lot of the stuff that happens along the way. And there's there's some really really crazy spoilers that you know it's it's really really good to to get that organically yeah. by so playing through. If the you game. ever plan on playing it, I'd say step out. If you don't ever plan on playing it and you just want to hear funny stuff and and, and a story, Mark. then stick around. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah. If you're the Stop Mark crowd, right now. this is your turning around point. If if you don't don't want to spoil it, go back, please. I beg you. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> okay, right, let's do it. So, is there anything that we really need to bring up as far as like? beyond what Isaac had said as far as the, the summary of the story, like right off the bat to, to just kind of like lay a foundation for what we're going to talk about. I mean, I would, the big, uh, issues, maybe cover them like, uh, start off with the beginning and then the big, huge plot points, cover them and see what, what our reactions were. So yeah, go, if you want to kind of just guide us through that and then, uh, we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, go for it. Yes. You start off, right. You have Minato and, uh, it's kind of, you know, filler, normal story right and then you get to the the first battle the battle in colony nine 
and then Fjord dies. I was just like, that's like a game is just dropping the mic right there, in my opinion. It's not unprecedented to have major characters killed off. You know, Final Fantasy VII did it. You know, other games have done it. But that early in the game, when there's been enough time for you know emotional attachment to Fjord as a character, just to have it wiped out that quickly, and you know, you maybe think she might come back, but you're not sure. And it just happens that quickly. I thought that was like, wow. <laughs> like, the guts it takes to, you know, build up a character and then just and drop it all and use that as a motivation. I thought that was a great idea. And Shulk's reaction to it. That, that, was, probably one of the, yeah. that was probably one of the stronger yeah. scenes in the game, in my I opinion. I agree. Uh, um, unfortunately, I knew I was playing a JRPG, so I... Here's the, here's the rule about JRPGs, and this is what differentiated the scene with Fiora versus the scene with Ares. If you don't see them actually die, they're not dead. Yeah. I got you. That's, I mean, that's you a, literally saw a sword go through Ares. So you're like, oh, cool. She's dead. Uh, you didn't really see Fiora died. It was definitely heavily implied, but I was like, I, I smirked. I was like, we'll see her again. And in the, the man's little speech after the battle, I thought was, was, yeah. was pretty good. You know, a little, little tropey, a little cliche, but you know, I thought it really drove home the point that, yeah. you know, real characters, Suffering real problems, you know. Honestly, and, though, it uh, was so long before you saw her again, though, that I started to be like, question well, maybe it. not. I, yeah. and, and that scene, yeah. yeah, and that scene was such a powerful scene. It really was. That's probably my the best scene as far as like emotional and like uh, cinematic. You know, you're like, oh god, oh boy, this this is yeah. this is kind of a dark story. Holy crap! And actually, now that I now that I think about it, why don't we take one quick step back, um, Isaac? Why don't you explain a little bit since the game revolves around it so heavily? What is the Monado exactly? Um, do you want me like fully spoil it? It's a spoiler cast. Uh, I mean, I or do you mean, want me to wait wait till later so I can fully explain what the Monado exactly well, is? Yeah, we'll get to that eventually, but okay. just kind of like a rough just, overview, real quick. All right. General idea is it's a it's a sword that is is the only sword that's able to kill like Mechon, right? It can't kill people. Um, it can't actually hurt anything with Bionis Ether in it. Um, but it's capable of completely destroying Mechon, and it can't kill Face Mechon for a reason that we'll find out later in the spoiler cast. But um, I, I I thought you know. It's a, it's a MacGuffin at first, right? Monado is mm-hmm. really. It's just like a means to an end, but it, it almost develops. It uh, quite literally develops its own character later on. <laughs> so, um, and I think that, and generally, it's just a sword that can kill things at the beginning, and I mean, it becomes right, much right, more later. Right off the bat, you see Dunban wielding it in the very yeah. first opening scene. And he he's hurt by it, like it's taking his power. And you're like, okay, so th- this sword is, is something we're not quite. Sh- this is something not just kind anybody of, can wield it. Yeah, kind of beyond. Yeah. He's 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 wielding it well, but it takes a toll on him. And and as you see in the very first scene, he's he's battling, and he gets you know betrayed, and he's he's hurt. The sword kind of sucked his arm off. I mean, not off, but it's like it's like it's like it's like sucked. It's like all it's all its life out of his arms. We what can't, a bunch yeah. of jokers! What a bunch of jokers! <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah, that first scene really drives home the power, like this arcane power that's behind the Monado. Right. right. Well, and and before Shulk actually picks it up, because he's he's the one that you're playing as for the most part. Um, yep. Yeah. He he uses it, but before he uses it, it's generally thought of by everybody that Dunban's the only one that can wield it because he's the right. only yep. one able to handle it. Yep. So, and we'll we'll get into that whole thing. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, we will. So, uh, but I mean, uh, as far as far as Fiora goes, yeah, when she died, I think that was, uh, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it was one of my favorite scenes in the game just because it, it actually made me feel yeah. like, oh, wow. Yep. Like, and it's, one of the, it's like one of the two or three places in the game, like, you know, the, the game got T rating, right? It's one of the three places or something they put blood in and it really applied in that scene. You know, it really helped drive the point home to, yeah. you know, 
and, and that was something that made me think originally when I played it that, you know, she's dead or whatever. Definitely. And, um, you know, honestly, there's some indications like on the front of, on the back reversible cover of the, of the U.S. release, you know, she's standing with the rest of the cast. And so you're thinking, that's what kind of threw me off a little bit. And I was like, oh, is she really dead? She's standing with the rest of the cast here, you know. But also in that picture, they had done band with blonde hair. So I was like, well. <laughs> yeah, it could be anything. You know, it could be anything. It could be anything. And maybe it's just for aesthetic reasons. But man, it blew my mind, honestly. Well, all right. Um, what's, so what's the next major plot point? So, like, I, you know, our heroes continue on, you know, go Colony 6 and all that stuff. Oh, fight some few face mech on. Keep continuing on. And then I think, if I remember correctly, the next major, major thing is you meet. Uh, Melia and Ricky in, you know, uh, Magna Woods, right? Mm-hmm. And you go on from there to Alchemoth, where you learn there's like some political intrigue behind the scenes with uh, Larithia and the um, and the Emperor. Like she's one of the Emperor's, like uh, like one of the people in charge of the government, right? Right. And um, there's some behind the scenes stuff going on with her and uh, Alvis is somehow involved. You meet Alvis, the character who's very important later on, but right now he just seems like a yeah. Somebody- I- Alvis is kind of out of nowhere, but yeah, he's uh, very, very, very uh, plot centric. Yeah, yep. you meet him back. I'm sorry, you meet him back in Macken Woods, actually. But he continues on, like he meets up with you, and you, you go to Alchemoth. And from Alchemoth, the most important scene there is Prison Island. When, Prison uh, Island, which is again, you know, a lot of it's heavily alluded to. You know, what's going to happen at Prison Island? Um, it's all kind of alphabet soup at the beginning when you don't really know the terms or what's going to happen. But as you keep getting closer to Prison Island and the visions Shulk have and keep reoccurring, you kind of keep thinking, you know, to yourself that, wow, you know, something big's going to happen in Prison Island. And um, when the mech on attack and you undo all the seals and go up there, it's some really powerful stuff that happens there, including the reveal that uh, Fiora's not actually dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean. Well, and I mean, well, who do we meet up there? That's the that's the big yeah. The um, we actually meet. Uh, what's his uh, name? God, uh, Zanza. 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 Who yep. he is the real Monado wielder, uh, according to him. And he's yeah. like, "Hey, Shulk, I'm gonna unlock your Monado for you." And you're like, well, <laughs> "Yeah." He acts like he's your buddy. No, and it's, but it's so weird that the way they do the scene. I'll actually give him credit because I was like, I don't know if they meant to portray this, but I was like, a giant. Blue man is a, who is. Hold on, hold on. This is yeah. my mind. I go a giant yeah. blue man who is, mind you, completely locked up in a yeah. like an epic, huge chain prison. like cell pr- prison cell is trying to help me. I yeah. was like, what are you up to, Zanz? But he's he really was like, I'm gonna unlock the Monada because you have trouble uh, face fitting face uh, facing the face mech on for some reason. Yeah. Their armor is uh, repelling the Monado, and uh, Zanza explains that it's because you don't really have you're not really the true wielder of the Monado. I am. He goes, but I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna unlock it for you so that you can actually uh, not you know not only like hurt the face mech on, but uh, uh, you know destroy them because um, I know they were they were a pain in your butt because I remember those fights where you're just like bouncing off of them and you're like, what the oh, heck, cool. man? Yeah. So yeah, those fights were a pain until you unlock, you know, the true potential of the Monado, right? Yeah. But uh, meeting meeting Zanza for the first time was like, wow, you know, you'd seen, I think you'd seen visions of him before and I was like, right. you know, who is this dude? Who is this dude supposed to be? You meet him, you find out, um, I think he claims to be the creator of the Monado uh, something he, like that. Not the creator. He, I think he's the original wielder. Wielder. Of the that's what he's. Some, yeah. Something like yeah. that. And 
it's very suspicious, like you said. And the little scene afterwards where he talks to Alvis, he just throws all sorts of questions in the exactly. air. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, and um, the fact that he almost allows himself to be killed by Metal Face, you know, yep. when Metal Face throws the ether spear and, and that and kills. And, and that little scene, and I, it, it comes full circle, but you were like, why is he wanting to die? And then you realize, and then later, we'll get into that later, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it just kept, seems like that answered a few questions. You know, is Fiora still alive? You know, what's up with when I'm not being able to kill Face Mech on? And, she, uh, I don't, is Fiora back at that point? I thought it was way no, later No, it's on. way later. No. Yeah. No, I it's thought. right there. Are you no, sure? She, no, I think you get her back when you go to the, the Mechon yeah. city. Oh, she's not back yet? This is the first time you, she that's you see her in the scene. Yeah, you see her in the scene with with what's her with what's her butt, and they, she's putting him in. The, she's putting her in her mech. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, and and during that scene, right, she yeah. goes flying off. And, you know, it, like the armor gets ripped away, whatever, and you see her head there, sitting in there. Yep. And uh, she flies away, and then Shulk goes running, screaming after. Her, right? right. Yep. So. Um, because she didn't remember who he was. Right. That's why I meant like, no, you don't get her in your party till way later. Yep. But. Um, That's right. She is a very important plot character there, and it kind of is a little mind blowing. I thought, um, for me at least, probably not that big of a deal for other players, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, but you know, when she came back, I was like, well, she's not dead, but she's obviously not really the same person. And yeah. who's Maineth? They keep calling her Maineth. It's like, ah. Yeah. But <laughs> isn't Maineth um, uh, occupying her her little crystal? Like- Let's. That's complicated. That's later. Okay. Okay. Uh, I know. I'm just trying to. Like I said, Maneth, this, uh... Maneth is. Maneth is. There's so there's crystals. There's there's souls. It's, it gets complicated. JRPGs really make my eyes cross when I try to follow their so-called coherent plot lines. Where I'm like, wait, wait, you just quite ruined. simple, Brian. I this mean, is, let, here. Let, let me, me explain. Here. Let me explain my frustration it's, with 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 JRPG. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. <laughs> It's all coherent if you just remember it's a video game. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, enough, you're like, I'm following real. Here's JRPG. <laughs> no, they, I'm saying 5D space. <laughs> no, no. Every it's, JRPG is part of, it's very, of the <laughs> Star Ocean oh, universe. Boy. Then everything makes sense if you just agree with that. It's like I'm following this story thread on a JRPG, and then, um, yes, pun intended, if somebody takes a katana and just slices it in half, and I'm like, wait, where? Whoa. No. Where am I? But it's one of those cliched scenes where you're not sure if it's sliced in half yet, and you have to like wait and yeah. pause yeah. and see yeah, if yeah, it yeah, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you know, we all digress here. This is a, we're now kind of a, a rapid right. trail there. That that scene I liked a lot. You know, not as powerful as the Fjord getting killed scene or whatever, but um, answered killed some questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I answered some questions. Um, finally got to see how Metal Face, you know, paid for some of his crimes or whatever. But um, just find, a little, don't you find just, out who Metal Face was at that point? Johnny Man mentioned something about it. he's like those moves, those claws, or whatever. It's like the way he phrases it. Yeah, but I thought that was out, predictable. To be honest with you, I, I know I did too. Uh, yeah, was but like, this is totally car, you know. Yeah, but I, I don't remember when they revealed it um, exactly. But uh, yeah, he was. Can I just say this that he was a weird character? Oh yeah, like his, yeah kind of, I agree. Well, even think about the end when he's just kind of like ah, whatever. Like, yeah. he, like, was, he was kind of like the team rocket of the game. But why? That's my. <laughs> here's the thing about his character. Here's what the thing about his character that I always like to ask myself. But why? Like, why was yeah. he? What was his motivation? He had yeah. no motivation at all. No, I, it, I agree. I never yeah, understood. Like, the beginning, why are you mad? his motivation was, you know, I want to be the hero. I'm going to leave Dumbbell and die, and I'm going to go live the hero in a Colony Nine, right? You know. Um, See, I never got his, that from him. No, but but his, I'm talking about it. that was his like that was his uh, fake motivation. motivation. But well, that was captured. His, 
he got captured by the mecha on him, and he's he's scheming. So I, I guess he decided to make it you know the best for himself. I'm talking about his because. overall arc motivation, where he was actually with yeah. Zanza back in the day. He's like, I'm Zanza's first lieutenant. Okay, that's not Mumkar. That's that's oh, Dixon. That's, that's Dixon. I'm sorry, okay. that's Dixon. I forgot about that. Yep, you're right. Mumkar's just the, the dude. Just the dude. Just angry. Just the dude. I'm talking. I'm, t- I'm talking about Dixon. He, yeah. I didn't know what his. I had no idea what he was about. Like. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of on both sides. But what was his motivation? He had points. no, like he had, you know, most characters have motivation. He had nothing. There was nothing. He was, he was just kind of like whatever. We're talking about Dixon, right? Yes, yeah, yeah that's what I was, that's okay. what I thought I was talking about. But and we'll get into a little bit later. Dixon's whole arc, I felt actually, I liked it. I know it's a little bit like you know he's he's a little bit apathetic and right. you know nihilist about everything. But I kind of liked how his character sort of developed. It didn't make a lot of sense if you look at the. <laughs> earlier parts of the game through the right. lens of the latter parts of the game, but right. you know, I, I thought I liked Dixon's character. We'll get more into him later. Yep. But um, Moomkar, you know, dude, the claws at the beginning. His motivation, in my opinion, was at the beginning. He he seemed like he wanted to be a, a he hero. Did. Yeah, you're and, right. And he got you know flattened or whatever by the Mechon, and he came back in. And he just decided to make the best out of it. Is kind of what I got from that. He, yeah, and, he just uh, like he was with his buddies, and it seemed yep. like like the game set it up to where they were they had been through a lot together, yeah. and they're yep. old war heroes, yep. and he's just out of nowhere like this angry ah, dude who doesn't jealousy. like his friends. I, I think jealousy was his motivation. He was yeah, always wanting the power. I just it just didn't hit me that nah, hard. You're right. So but, I don't know, yeah. but it was predictable. What sure about the whole the first time I heard thing. his voice? I'm like, they didn't even modulate his voice or anything. Not, bad, not very much. <laughs> no, yeah. It's like, oh, that's Moomkar just speaking through like a. Like a micro, a giant, you know, microphone. All right. So, but, what happens next? Okay. So we they go through, pretty sure. Let's see, Prison Island, and then we go down the Bionis, right, chasing uh, after Fiora, and uh, we go to past Valak Mountain or through Valak Mountain. We're um, trying to get to the sword because that's where yeah, the uh, base the is. Where the base where they, you know, Fiora is. You don't. You, Chulk's confused. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. So we track back down through. Go to um, fly to Valak Mountain, and Valak Mountain is honestly one of my least favorite parts of the game. To be honest, it's 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 a very bare area, right? Is that the big and, like wasteland, yeah. deserty looking yep. area? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the big mountain, yep. it's a giant mountain. Yeah, I didn't like that and very much either. How those parts where it's like you're only two hundred meters away, and then you have to jump down. <laughs> You know, all this stuff, and if you jump, yep. you die. So you have to kind of go around and go down to descend the mountain. But when you get down there, you fight Metal Face. And it's like, oh, it's Metal Face's moon card. And you're like, yeah, we learned that pretty much when you first introduced Metal Face. <laughs> we got it, Chief. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fiora, or Maynus, let's just say Maynus, gets there, and she try who is Fiora, uh, we'll explain that later, uh, comes down there and tries to explain things. And then Mumcar tries to kill her, and then tells, you know, tries to, like, almost kills her. And then you fight Moomkar, and then the Bionis starts to move, and then out of nowhere comes this gigantic golden mech on, you know, and he says, I'm Echo, I'm the boss, see you later, takes everybody and leaves. <laughs> yeah, to, to people that are listening, like, if you're wondering why we keep saying we'll get to that later, it's because this game literally does not tell you very much of yeah, anything you don't know until the end. On. Yeah, you have no idea. It's like, um, he literally shows up, and he's Echo, he's a giant, in a giant mech called Yadabouth, right? He shows up. He says, yo, I'm Elgo, I'm the man, I'm the best mech on there is. I mean, I have the best mech on there is. Yep. I'm Quoted gone, word for see you word. later. It's, that, yeah. it's the very typical uh, JRPG way of going, um, it's the whole bait and switch with, and it's you every JRPG, um, yeah. he, oh, that's the main bad guy, and then, nope, this is the main bad guy. It, every, it happens in everyone, and he just pops out of nowhere and goes, I'm Eggle, hi, I'm the most powerful bad guy. Wah, 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 and, ah. 
but this is only my first form. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. And uh, the way he, the way the scale, in my opinion, presented him very well. He's he's a lot bigger than anything you've seen up to that point. And I, you know, and the mech is the mech on the he's in is kind of cool looking. I'm like, wow, that's a very. I thought I felt like he was kind of an intimidating villain um, at that point in the game. And I was like, wow. And so when he says "ciao" and he flies off, I was just like, <sighs> you know, Undisword Valley it is. And mm-hmm. um, you finish, you finally, thank the Lord, finish Valak Mountain, which is a really terrible area. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's my least favorite area in the game. You go to Sword Valley, and stuff happens there. You know, <laughs> it, it begin, and then you begin the uh, process of finding out crap. Pretty much is what. Oh, happened. Sword Valley is the place I'm thinking of. That's all deserty and stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. all like, the bases. That's are. the place I hated. Ugh. Why did you hate Sword Valley? The music I, was great. Uh, yeah, but it's just such a barren like. Ugh. And there's so many port parts yeah. where like you they had those little bases that you could go in and kill everything as, as part of the quests. Yeah. And that's another one of those instances where it would if you didn't do it, yep. it would lock you out of it. So up to this point, where Isaac's talking about is our characters' motivations are we have to stop the because the the mechons were are terrorizing colonies over on the Bionis. Yep. So what we're trying to do as characters is um, at this point in the motivation we see Egel, we we kind of know uh, Shulk obviously wants to save Fiora now that he knows she's alive. Um, yeah. But the big the big plot driver right now is that the characters want to get over to Sword Valley and go to the main like where the all the mechon are filing in because the sword is attached to the the mechonist sword of the big titan is attached to the Bionis's body and that's where all the mechon are uh, filing over into the Bionis and, uh, and and I remember through most of the game you don't know that there's anything over on the mechonis until you yeah, realize oh shoot that's a whole other planet basically area. quote unquote yep. Yeah. So. yeah, it's a it's a whole big area, and it's 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 weird. It's I mean I I like the way the game approaches it, but it is like wow, you don't know what's on that entire other same size as the one you're on right now thing, and it's it's crazy. But mm-hmm. up, you know, the plot kind of takes a dip after you you meet you know Eggle, and so they go to Sword Valley, and they're like, yo, we need to get to Galahad Fortress because that's where Fiora's being held. Yep. And so they've cut the way through Sword Valley, and there's Mechon everywhere. If you don't have Shulk in your party, you're screwed in, in that regard, <laughs> because that's nothing but Mechon in all of of uh, Sword Valley. And it's not it's not just him that can take. I mean, he's the only one that can take him out, but he's got that yeah, move that makes it, it to where everybody he can, can enchant attack the weapons, him, to which is hurt. nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and until later, you don't have that opportunity, you know, to fight without him really in an right. area with Mechon. Yep. Um, they get there um, at. You know, Galahad Fortress. They they have a confrontation with Moomkar, and Moomkar, Shulk actually tries to save him. Dumban wants to kill Moomkar because, um, you know, Moomkar is there, and they and they fight, and um, Dumban almost kills Moomkar there. Well, and I well, was like, what? Yeah, what? Go ahead. Well, and, and Moomkar, the reason that Dumban wants to kill Moomkar is in the very first scene. Moomkar is the one that abandons their group. Yeah, of and, course, yeah. and leaves them to die. So Dumban's pretty pissed off at this guy at this point. I'd imagine, and and he's the one who. You know, killed Fiora. Fiora in the exactly. So, Fiora is Dumban's oh. sister. Yeah. So yep. for context, and you know, I thought that that was I thought it was a good scene. It allowed character of Dumban to be, in my opinion, that angry about it because when he had seen the Mechon before, did he did he know his Moomkar? You know, at, at Prison Island the first time. You know, I'm pretty sure he knew his Moomkar, but here he acts kind of out of character. He's always the mature one of the group. You know, the he's kind of the big brother. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here he's just kind of. You know, he kind of goes nuts about it, and yeah. you can you can you can explain that away, but it's still kind of, eh, you know, kind of hard to to, to explain. Yeah. 
but um, they fight. Mumko won't listen to Shulk, who sees a vision of a pillar, uh, this giant pillar falling down and killing him. And, uh, you know, when Mumkar sets off a blast, and Mumkar sets off the blast anyway, it kills him. He falls down towards the ocean. He's like, no, not like this. And then they find that, you know, Egil and Fiora are waiting on them. And uh, Fiora is talking to the main, and she's like, you know, help me, please, help me help Shulk. And um, she breaks free from Egil's control. Egil's like, well, I'm going to wipe all the memory of all the face mech on because you all aren't listening. And they fight, and uh, face. Face Nemesis, who's pretty much um, Mainus slash Fiora is the name of her Mechon. Uh, she uses her power. Galahad Fortress explodes, which pretty much sums up the, you know, the part we were talking about where you can't come back to places. This is one point where you can't come back to Galahad Fortress. And it explodes, and you fall down onto the Mechonis' detached left arm. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. She, uh, she goes into rage mode. She does the uh, classic JRPG girl screaming really loud that creates power that explodes everything <laughs> dragon ball z style uh very yeah. classic and uh, blows off the uh uh you know blows off the the, the fortress and you plummet down to uh the, the 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 arm that was severed in the opening scene when they were fighting the yeah. two giant robots were Which, fighting. let's pause for a moment that that whole setting is great the arm the fallen arm is one of the best places in the game in my opinion like aesthetically well because you can see the big the big yeah. towering uh yeah the big towering, the, the scope yep and there's ocean that's not like a sea. That's not like there's actual ocean around it, which yeah. is neat. Swim out too far, you die. That's kind of interesting, you know, thing to have. And um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Then after they fall down there, you know, Fiora wakes, uh, Shulk wakes up, and he does the old JRPG. I'm gonna kiss somebody to wake them up from near death type yep. of thing. And, power uh, of love. Power of love. And uh, she gets up and. Some others fall. The others fall down. They kind of meet their way up at the Machina Village. Before then, though, is one of my favorite scenes in the game. It's when Dunban and Ricky are sitting on the beach. That is a great redeeming scene for Ricky, in my opinion. And it's right after they fall down. If you, you all remember that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the one scene that I was like, oh, okay, okay, no, Ricky's not, too, not bad. too bad. And then he's annoying. Guy. And then Ricky's the next scene, he's like, oh, Ricky, Deaky, wanna go play Geeky? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh God. He's not quite that annoying, I don't know. <laughs> but he's up there. <laughs> he talks about himself in the third person a lot. Yeah, he says, Reeky Deaky! He doesn't say Reeky Deaky. He doesn't that's say something that. you said about my WoW character. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he says, Hereupon like Dunban. Oh, Reeky, love you, Marco. <laughs> uh, that is actually oh, that's not, not a bad impression, JJ, of Ricky. Yeah, oh, so. well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> is this a character uh, from the Labyrinth? no oh man this this part actually was this this is where you uh you meet the uh the other village right this is where you meet the mechon that are friendly right not mechon Mechon. the machina difference difference they're Uh, well they're the only difference is that they are (laughs) mechon is a racist term brian sorry (laughs) classifying people these they're like the living they're back. I mean, they're the, they're the good Mechon. I can't I call them that. The Mechon, me, no, me, Mechon. They're not. They're not. They're, they're Mechon. They're different. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So stay stay within the stay within right, the canon right. here. But you know they meet up there, and um, you know Eggle sends some more face Mechon after them after erasing their memories, and um, they 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 need to leave from there to reach the Mechonist capital Aganathra, where supposedly you know Eggle is resting. 
And during their journey, they're ambushed by uh, Jade Face, who is revealed to be the guy Solar has been talking about the entire time. That's not Ryan Gatto. You know, she's, he's been he was supposedly killed in the attack on Colony Six. Oh my gosh, he's alive! It's like okay, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, we, we weren't expecting him to come back at any point. Right. So I actually kind of expected him to come back in some sort of way because it's never you know it never really closed on it. So. Yeah. And this is another good part. That alliance that was being built in previous chapter, you know, in previous chapters of the game, um, comes to fruition here and starts attacking um, Sword Valley while you're trying to get your way up to that Agonathera. And um, I, I mean, I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Some cool things you get to see the Colonel again, who you haven't seen since the beginning of the game. You know, Square Square Tash or whatever his name is, and um, it's just overall, I felt like a pretty interesting part. Right. But um, then. We get to hmm, pretty much – it's not much. You go through all of the Mechanus. Mechanus is almost the exact opposite in terms of the way Bionis is structured. You go through Mechanus Field, which is pretty much just – it's like layered it's, uh, floors and stories instead of having being wide out. It's essentially just a place to grind. Yeah. So, well, from an aesthetic point of view, I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, no, so, it's cool. Absolutely. I just mean like as far as big like plot points and yeah. stuff. Not much yeah, happens until you get to the end of it. Yeah. Not not much happens at all really in the Mechanus, and that could be you know a problem with the game is that the Mechanus it's not really a whole lot of plot driving you through it. It's you know stuff happens. It's just like okay, well we're going to go through this areas, and there's not much happening. There's not there's a little bit of plot here and there, but it's not an absolute ton. And this is also when I think no no I forgot to mention something back when we were at the Fallen Arm. Fiora mentioned that she was starting to malfunction. Oh, that's and right, yeah. That was a big point, um, and she's starting to suffer from that. And um, Chulk's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, you know? So, and uh, But here, Shulk starts to struggle using the Monado, and it's really weird. He starts getting like electrocuted by it and stuff like that, and it, it's, uh, it's nuts as he tries, and it keeps getting, keeps getting worse as he goes up the Mechanus. Um, but... I mean, it starts to disobey him, basically, for the first time. Basically, he's like, it's not letting him do what he normally can do with the, with the Monado. Uh, I agree. And it's like, yeah. it's basically, he was he was kind of touted as the true wielder of the Monado throughout the whole game, and now it's starting to, like, say no, basically. So you're wondering, like, why in the heck, why in the heck is that doing this? I'm, I'm Shulk, I'm the... Um, JRPG main character, so I should be the one who is the savior of all. Why is the sword yeah. of the savior of all not working? So it was, yeah. very, it was a very confusing time yeah. for the player and for obviously Shulk. for all of us. Yeah, we were yeah for <laughs> for everyone because no one yeah. knew why the, the Monado was all of a sudden like literally like nope nope and you didn't it lock you out of uh, the true Monado powers? Yeah, and it locked you out of something. I don't exactly remember. It, it, it had some effect. Yeah, and um, I was really frustrated. Yep. What happens is, after that, there's not much, honestly, that happens throughout the Mechanus areas. When you finally get up to the point, you get to Agonathera, and you uh, fight Gatto. He's been stalking you for a while. You take him down. You go to um, where Eggle is, like this sanctuary. You fight the thing that's outside of his, basically his room, yep. and you go in there. And then begins a pretty cool—I thought it was the final boss battle, I'll be honest. Wow. <laughs> you know, when I first went in there, I was like, wow, you know, this is Eggle. Let's get done with this is the final boss battle. And it's a good fight. You beat him, and then you realize there's a bunch of stuff that happens. First, Shulk tries to have an intervention with Egil. He's, he's he's like hearing his voice saying, "Strike him down, kill him," mm-hmm. and he just decides to say, "No, 
they try to talk it out and um that you know it works out actually i was like oh yeah man i never saw it like that before yeah thanks for the words (laughs) yeah words of encouragement completely changed the thousands of years of seething hate i had right you know in five minutes just changed hey love and friendship solves everything in jrpgs (laughs) yeah he talks about how him and the dude that you thought was named Zanza, his actual name is Argulus, were friends long time, a long time ago, but then Argulus discovered the Monado, and then he went nuts and started attacking stuff, and he's like, oh, that's what caused me to have the seething hate, because he killed a lot of the Machina and destroyed a lot of the, the Machinas. And then you're sitting there you're talking, and then you realize that, you know, Ego's finally coming too, and then, boom, there's a gunshot, and then Shulk falls down, and you see Dixon pointing the gun, and you're like... Dixon like, really did. He lived up to his name. You know? like, Dixon, you, Dixon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, and um, then just it's it's a day say Machina here. Everything just goes nuts. I mean, the plot explodes here, and it, it just goes crazy. You find out the, that Shulk has never been alive the entire game. He's kind of been alive, <laughs> but he, he has the spirit of the Monado has been in him to keep him alive. And that the guy you thought was named Zanza is not named Zanza. Zanza is actually the name of the creator of the world, who is the soul of the Bionis. And then you figure out that uh, Fiora has the soul of the Mechanis in her, and they fight, and then you retreat, and it's it's just nuts. The at plot this, explodes there. At this point, it goes full JRPG. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I think, okay, let's talk about this scene real quick, because I had a huge problem with this scene. A huge problem, and it's the same problem I have with every JRPG scene I've ever seen. Uh, you talk the you talk the main bad guy out of being bad by yeah. the power of your love. Okay, <laughs> then then Maineth comes alive and fights Zanza, who uh, is you know he made Shulk to be the shell of the new Monado for his new body, and yeah. he locked himself up on purpose. And I'm the ultimate bad guy, and so Maineth, of course, in her infinite wisdom, literally Obi Wan Kenobi's and says, "Here's my Monado, and you can have that too." <laughs> yeah. So when Zanza, who took your Monado back from you, he took the Monado from you, Shulk now does not have the Monado, her bright idea is to let him kill her so that he can double his power. Yeah. I was like, uh, and and if you guys remember the last boss fight, I hate you, Maineth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she just was like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, totally. I will be more powerful in the dead. No, you'll actually make him more powerful because now he has both Monados. You is revealed that what a Monado is, it hints towards the ending, right? Because you're like, what is a Monado? There's all sorts of Monados. Monado just goes from being a proper noun to a term used so you know, flippantly after that. After that, it's like, well, he has two Monados now. And it's like, well, two Monados? <laughs> I thought there was only one Monado. And then the Monado looks completely different when he holds it mm-hmm. because JRPG. Yep. So, and, um, it's just like, you know, Dixon's betrayal is like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Doesn't he uh, reveal I'm, that he's like, hey, I'm I'm Zanza's disciple. Buddy. I'm the disciple of Zanza. I'm Dixon. I'm Dixon. <laughs> I'm, I'm on his side for reasons. That's I mean that's yeah. what I got that's what I gathered Hero from upon it. fight Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. He he just came out of like, hey, come out of nowhere. Hey, I'm Dixon. I'm gonna shoot you. Oh why? Because I'm that guy's apprentice. Yeah, it was just like you know what. He, there were plenty of times earlier when he could have killed them to much more convenience, I guess. Yeah, it, it was, was like you know, there's a lot of other times. It was very arbitrary. That that, that whole scene, I had, it was a cool scene, but it, I mean, at that point, I, I made I think I made a visit like a, an audible ugh, like so no. after that, 
Shulk's unconscious. You know, you think he's dead. You know, they retreat back to Colony Six, and you figure out, oh my gosh, Alvis is another disciple. So now you got two disciples. Alvis is one. Dixon's the other. Um, the Telethia um, start attacking, and the Telethia are actually the. Okay, I forgot something. I skipped over something. The Mechanus gets destroyed. That's a big point. <laughs> you know, the entire Mechanus gets destroyed by um, by Zanzo, who's totally like, okay, I'm going to waste Eggle. He, he wastes Eggle. Eggle's been trying to destroy Bionis the whole time. And then and then uh, Zanzo's just like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to waste Mechanus. So it destroys Mechanus. Gatto helps them escape. Then they go to Colony. I'm sorry. Then they go to, what you call it, the um, Fallen Arm. Then they go to Colony 6, fight off, fight off some Telethia led by Dixon. Alvis is a bad guy. Then they go up into the Bionis, figure out that Lorithia that you met earlier, yeah, she's totally a villain. There's that really creepy scene with her and Melia's older brother um, when you fight her. Uh, that was really weird. Mm-hmm. And um, then you fight, in my opinion, is the most frustrating boss battle in the game against Lorithia. She was the worst boss battle I had to face in the game. I had to grind five or six levels to beat her. So... What did y'all think of it? I don't remember it, to be honest with you. Uh, uneventful. Honestly, I didn't really remember. I think I breezed through it. Really? Heal bullet! If you look it up, on the, <laughs> if you look it up, like, right, it's the, considered the hardest boss fight in the game like for most people. I had the most trouble so. with the last boss, honestly. I then, had the most trouble with the like earlier bosses in the game when I was still trying to comprehend the battle system. Yeah. Once I once I got a hold of it, I honestly was fine. I don't think I died to a boss more than once or twice in, until the last, the last very last boss. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Well, I thought it was hard. I mean, I had to complete switch up. I went from Dunban, uh, Ryan, Shulk to um, Fiora, Ricky. No, yeah. I'm sorry, Melia, Ricky, Charla. I saw you, Charla, there. Mm-hmm. But moving on from that, after you kill her, you begin like this ascent. You get up to the, I think, the top of Bionis, and you make your way to Prison Island. You know, version two. You know, mm-hmm. and go through it. And at a pinnacle, you fight this giant dragon who's there for some reason. And after you kill the giant dragon, you go and you fight Dixon. And Dunban tells you before that, the point of no return. The point of no return, apparently, is an hour and a half before the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go, you fight Dixon, you beat him, bada-bing, bada-boom, teleportation out of Prison Island, and you go to where? The solar system. Yeah, you pass by, pass by Pluto. <laughs> Yeah, Pluto, you run through that, you fight a few pointless bosses. They're like shades of people you remember, like Moomkar and Zord and all sorts of other people. And you get to um, the end, you fight Zanza, and Zanza's like, no one can compare to the power of a god, and you fight him. And ending. And what's up with the ending? What do you all think of the ending? Explain what happens, Brian. I want you to explain this. I'm going to take you through a real (laughs) quick abridged version of this entire game. Um, Okay, boy... Chosen boy of all chosen boys uh, gets chosen by the sword. The sword turns out to be from a giant blue man locked up in a prison <laughs> island who, by a chance, did oh, I did it myself. I wanted to be locked up. Why? Because I wanted to die. Why? Because then I'd go into his soul because of reasons that they never explained. Uh, you're going in the solar system um, after these giant... So you have this whole, like, this huge world that they built for you. And then you're in the solar system. You pass by Pluto and you're running past all the planets. And I'm go- I'm starting to get goosebumps. I'm like, okay, this is going to get really good. And they show you this little tiny scene at the end where there's a, uh, in, in like an international space station up floating around the, the planet. Is it know? legit? The international space <laughs> yeah, station? Like it's, it's like, like a it. futuristic version yeah, of it. Oh, right. Yeah. And in this space station, and this is, I'm not kidding you. This is what the, I'm going to like paraphrase what they talked about, but he's like, 
I'm going to press this button. She's like, don't press the button. It'll create a universe. This is the girl talking. And the guy goes, but I'm going to press the button. I want to create a universe. And she goes, don't press the button. You'll create a universe. What will happen to this one? He's like, I don't care what will happen to that one. I want to press the button. That's literally the conversation they're having. That, There's that a, conversation. Dude, I'm not kidding you, Mark. I'm not kidding you. He wanted to press a button that would create a universe. And she was like, don't do it. And so finally, he presses the button, right? And it, boom, poof, it they become the big giant Makan. So she becomes Maineth, and he, he becomes, becomes the Bionis. So yeah. their character names, Zanza and uh, and Maineth, were their actual names outside of Earth and the planet. The, the scientists in the orbiting uh, no, space station, no, right? Not. No, no, they just make not. up. Made up, they made up their names. Made, made up names. New, uh, new names. The name of the dude was Klaus. So Zanza That's right. Klaus. That's right. And so, so, so they can, so, so now that, okay, so he pressed the button, right? So she's like, don't press the button. He's like, I'm going to press the button. So she, he presses the button because, you know, he wants to press the button. He's going to press the button. He does. And then for some reason, they are like, she's pissed, right? I'm mad. So as her new form, the Makana, she's like, I'm going to fight you. And and so he fights her back as the Bionis, right? It lasts for millennia. (laughs) And you're going like, so you created a new universe and you're still alive. And your first instinct is to be like, you're. You shouldn't have pressed the button. <laughs> so I mean, she, lost, it's just a big grudge. Yeah, so, so she's like, she's as the giant Makana. She's no, you press the button. And so they're fighting. And no, then, wait, 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 wait. What? They lost their memories for the most part. But why are they fighting I, then? Okay, wait, wait. I, I don't know why. Uh, I can't explain why they're fighting. <laughs> no one There's can. Plot. Right. It's plot, right. Right. But the general idea is they've lost their memories because when you kill Zanz at the end, he's like, my memories are fading. <clears throat> and he kind of cut, then it cuts to the thing with the thing. That's whatever. Right. Alvis is actually the one who showed you. Yeah, Alvis, that's, that's the weirdest thing. Alvis is like the, um, Monado, AI. He's the his he's name like, is Monado. He's like the AI of the pro. I, I think that they are in a computer program. It, it turns out Alvis is Monado, which is right. like, what, like, boom. But, oh, you forgot to cover something. Shulk, it's the true Monado. Right, but the way shit. he acts, it doesn't. Don't you think he acts like an AI trying to take you through the program? Like, hi, I'm Alvis, um, yeah. or I'm the Monado. Here is what is happening in this world, and he, t- yeah. he takes you through this whole thing. And I was like, oh, is this a computer program? He created a universe by pressing the button. Because uh, yeah, Alvis, the was the, Alvis was the computer <laughs> on board the chip, right? No. So obviously, he becomes Alvis is actually the like. Almost like the herald of the world, like he's the one who like yeah. goes through the world, and he can, I guess, manifest himself in many different forms. The AI, but, yeah, yeah, but, it very mirrored it. After you defeat <laughs> Zanza, after you beat Zanza, right, it goes on to uh, is uh, Alvis is like, so Shulk, you want to be God or not? <laughs> and Shulk's like, I don't know. And so <laughs> and so uh, Alvis conjures up the like personalities of all his friends who might or might not exist right now i don't know and then he's like his friends are like oh you wouldn't be a good god anyway and he's like yeah you know what i wouldn't let's go let's wish for a world without any gods and i'm like atheistic overtone much yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they uh you know he's like boom shakalaka he's not kidding mark this is the ending to the game i'm sorry i'm still stuck on the button I'm, yeah, I, I'm seeing the Dexter's Lab intro in my head right now. No, I'm not kidding you. It, it had like uh, over. It was the same kind of thing where it showed like the camera over his shoulder, and she's like standing above him, and he's like, "I'm gonna press the button." She's like, "Don't do it." It's like it's like that. Okay, he doesn't just press the button. He, he moves some levers and stuff. That's true. Yeah, he Brian, does. calculations. You can't just create a universe with a button. There's <laughs> levers involved. Uh, Jeez. Needless noob. to say, I 
hated the ending to this game. I loved the ending. It was cop out That's... after cop out after cop out. It's a of... JRPG. I know, but it's, it's like, like it's a it had. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it was like it was like. Remember this huge plot point we were bringing? Oh, well, this is why, and it's like. The, the, the katana came down on every thread. I was just glad thread. to have reasons. I, I yeah. liked it. I liked it. I really did. I loved the ending. It I was just, like perfect ending to a crazy last ten you, hours of the game. My, in my opinion, you, when you end a game, you can't add a like a thousand things that weren't ever explained at once and be like, yeah. this is what, like they literally were just throwing stuff at you that I, it literally felt like it came out of left field. Like, okay, I'm in our solar system and, and there's, I'm looking at the past, but I'm fighting a guy who's in a computer program. And you're like, yeah. you're trying to piece it all together. And they just threw way too much. That was out of like, it didn't really wrap anything up. They kind of just, they took the story threads that you followed throughout the game and then just kind of like chopped them in half. And then like, just threw them out and we're like, well, but that's, we're just going to take you this way now. And you that's were like, yeah, best way I can explain it is I watched the ending completely. It took about an hour and a half to get through all the ending mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. I went and listened to a podcast immediately afterward that, that broke down the ending. And then I thought I maybe understood what happened in the ending. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very obtuse. It's a lot of Deus Ex Machina. It is just all that stuff piled on top of each other. And I, I know I, I admit its weaknesses, but I still love it. But just no, because I, it, I, I thought it was a good thing, you know? Don't, go, don't get me wrong. It was a great game. It's just like. There are some endings in JRPGs that are tolerable, and then there are some that are, I'm just like, yeah. He's oh. not saying he's not saying this game is like, no. That's the problem. The game isn't he's the saying ending. It's that, that's so how it's JRPGs not as bad are. As that yeah, one Star Ocean game ending, right? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> no, that wasn't the ending of that game. No, that's that game part. that <laughs> game was literally the S rank of bad JRPG endings. Um, and and, uh, and they they fall into the but, same kind of category. Like I said, they throw way too much new stuff at you that had nothing to do with anything yeah. throughout the entire. A good story takes those threads and kind of ties them into a nice knot and doesn't leave any like jutting like what and that and this game literally left me with going like i was literally sitting there after the ending trying to process like okay what happened like (laughs) wait but why did all this matter like what and i i I agree like i had uh, when when i first played through it i i mean i play so many jrpgs that i've kind of learned to just take it with a grain of salt sure okay cool however like and I'm really glad that I don't try to break down more of these things because I would probably be like, God, why did I ever start playing these games? Um, but like this one, my biggest question, and Isaac, I know I asked you this, and it, it just bugs me. So they push the button. Correct. Yeah. Create the universe. But universe. Why is one of them a robot? And That's, the other one, not robot. Don't don't, don't 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 let the details go to your head. It's, <laughs> but but, 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 but the, the only reason that I asked the same question because I, I the Alvis specifically said they took on their like the forms of their like being, and I was like, okay, well, it makes sense for for the boy to take on the Bionis. He's a Bion. He's a he human. like he's a human. But was she a robot? And like, why is she a robot now? Maybe it, she maybe. was maybe she was an android. <laughs> You know what? That's what we're going with. She's an android. Dude, that's a boom. Really, maybe she, and that's a futuristic world. They pressed yep. a button, created a universe, so android. she could be an android. Boom. We just wrapped this up. See that? Yeah. See that? We solved it. We solved it. <laughs> solved it. Oh, and then I have a question. You're very versed in the game, Isaac. What? what? <laughs> he made the, he made the tr- quote unquote true Monado because yeah. of like friendship? friendship. Yep. Friendship. <laughs> friendship. Okay. He, I, he, he realized, okay. He realized that like. <sighs> He didn't need the real Monado to beat Sansa, I right. guess, and so he just reached inside himself figuratively gotcha. and pulled it probably literally out of his butt. And right, he's right, like right. and he's like, Okay, here's the true Monado. It's it's like 
I, I guess at that point in the game, he had assumed such a position where I think he was almost like Zanza and Manith in terms of he was becoming a god at that right. point. And so I think that's what allowed him. He had so much control over the world via his via his visions and stuff that he was able to, uh, you know, smoke in the box, create yeah. a create a Monado. No, yeah, so. I mean the, the ending just left a lot of. I asked too many questions uh, on the ending. I shouldn't be doing yeah. that. And that's you the only take thing. It. Gotta take the ending. I, I, and like I said, JJ is way more adept at like JRPG endings. I have I've played probably a quarter of the JRPGs JJ's played in his whole life. I mean, I, I he trumps me. So when I see an ending like this, it really like I'm bugs like, you. I, I my eyes go crossed because I'm like oh, it doesn't bug me. I just I'm not used to that. I'm very much used to Western storytelling, Western storytelling, yeah. and, and 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 it's all it's it's more subtle nuances and it, and. <laughs> And, and to be truthful, Western Western storytelling is not that they don't they don't shoot as many threads out as JRPGs do, right? JRPGs are very good about like multiple. They don't, they don't try to be too fantastical. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm not used to when uh, a story goes like I, I feel like they and it's like J- Dragon Ball Z is a very good example where every season there's an even more powerful bad guy. I feel like they yeah. do that with their with their endings. They're like, I'm going to one up this point at this point, and then it's just going to keep stacking these these like crazy revelations. And until- then they get to the end, and they're like, "Crap, what do we do now?" That, that, yeah, uh, they, friendship, it, dude. I'm <laughs> telling you, he's he's onto something because I feel like they write themselves into a really bad position, and then they're I'm like, sure it's "They're like, yeah, I got I got to figure out how to tie this all together." So yeah, the all ending. Right. That was my thoughts on the ending. I love the game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, as JRPGs go, oh wow, it, it's definitely. Would you say it's the best game on the Wii? Oh God, yeah, without yeah. without question, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yep. Yeah, it's it's the best game on the Wii for me. For sure, obviously my, my favorite game of all time. It at that point before I played it, Chrono Trigger was my favorite of all time, and uh, it, it outpassed Chrono Trigger for me. Outpaced it, and it felt like a much not not a much holder game because Chrono Trigger is obviously a much finer, finely much more finely tuned experience. Mm. But um, Xenoblade can be kind of a mess in terms of hours spent. There's people that like, uh, for example, if you and this is a quick plug. If you want a good let's play of the game, Jugga Conroy on YouTube is the best source for all things Xenoblade. He has a great 120 part you know let's play of the game. Only and 120 parts. Mark, you'd be <laughs> great. Only 120 parts. That's a little too many for me. 155. 100, 108. He would have been fine. Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it took me several bad. hundred. It took me several hundred hours. It felt like I think I was clocked in like. I mean, 70. I'll be honest. I, I feel like I've watched the last season of Lost just now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very smoke. similar. Down yeah. to the smoke, too. Yep. I mean. <laughs> very similar. Very good Very good uh, analogy there, because that's how it felt. All right. We're going to we're gonna try and wrap it up here. Wrap it up. Um, wrap it up. Just out of curiosity, Isaac, what, are you gonna, what kind of class are you going to play in the new one? Uh, kind of class. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't. I've been honest. I'll be honest, okay? I have taken Media Blackout for Chronicles X. Okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Some people like. But that. I mean, you know, you make your own character, right? Yeah, I know. I know that. Okay. And if there's a most likely if there's a tank class, I'll play that, or a class that's heavily focused on defending. Okay. I'll there play that. But I have gone full blackout on it. I've watched maybe an hour or something of video across since it's been announced. So oh, I watched I the whole have... Nintendo Treehouse thing, the 40 minute video yeah. that they had with the gameplay. It was fantastic. It looks wonderful. I mean, I've watched a little bit about it, but. All the nuances and stuff I want to experience fresh, so I've went media blackout because that's what Xenoblade Chronicles X was. All I had seen was the trailer that was put up on like the official Nintendo YouTube page. That's all I watched for the original Chronicles, and I went in with like this fresh. And I read the review Nintendo Power, and that was it. Cool. It was a fresh perspective on it. 
and that's what I, that's what I want for Chronicles X. All right. That's well, why I'm not reading any any of the reviews from from you know like the translated reviews from Famitsu or anything. I don't want to experience by any sort of negativity. If it's negative, I want to have that experience <laughs> now. Yep. All right, we got a handful of weeks left. Handful, uh, yep. December fourth can't get here quick enough. No joke. I'm excited for it. Got too many games. You to gonna play. you gonna buy a Wii U, Brian, for it? I don't think right away. I'll probably, gosh, golly, gee, Willikers. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I want to. I might. You know, my Best Buy card. I just paid that off. I might do that. I might. That might That's be my, my. Might be my December purchase for my Best Buy yeah, card. Probably mark. And it ironically down. enough, as much as I love Xenoblade, I'm not getting the collector's edition. I just. I decided I wasn't going to because for Chronicles X because it just didn't didn't have enough for me. You know, it wasn't. Right. Yeah. Wasn't. I'll probably do that. Did, was, when does the game come out? December fourth. I might. I'm, that might be my my Best Buy. I, as you know, credit is important, and you have to keep it stoked. <laughs> and uh, I'm at zero balance right now, so I might be my that might be my purchase in December. There you go. Yeah, good idea. Okay, Christmas present for yourself. Yep. There you go. Yep. All right, Isaac. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, we appreciate no it. Um, I I mean, anybody have anything else to add? That's uh, Brian shaking his head. Yeah, oh, I was shaking my head. <laughs> no. Oh, just to kind of plug another thing, the podcast I listened to when I, when I yeah, first finished the game. By all means. Uh, there's an old, not the new op- Operation Rainfall podcast, but there was an old Operation Rainfall podcast. If you can stomach the dated references they use from back in 2013, um, it's a great spoiler cast for Xenoblade. You can find that on oprainfall.com. And it should be probably under their, their um, archived podcast, but it's under the old podcast. When you say dated um, references, do you mean like they open the show with, what yeah. or something like that? I mean like dated references, meaning they're talking about Pandora's Tower being localized here. That was oh, back okay. in okay. 2013. So it, it's if you just get past the first 20 minutes or so, it is a great step-by-step, kind of like we did here, breakdown of the main points and what they how they react to the certain points. It's a great listen. I suggest you go listen to that one, too. Because it really com- it would really complement this one in terms of the way they broke it down to. They talked about a lot of different things and what we talked about, but it covers the same game. It's really cool. interesting. So. Sounds good. All right. Well, with that, I think we are going to head out of here for real this time. Yep. Thanks for joining us for our spoiler cast. Woohoo! Yeah. Yep. It's been great. Oh, show. Uh, play Xenoblade if you haven't. Yeah, do it. Check it out. And email me if you think I'm wrong about the ending, but you're not, I'm not yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yep. Email him, please. <laughs> When uh, when I was playing Mass Effect One and Sovereign said that I couldn't understand his nature, that he was made Mark so to, mad. He was actually referring to Xenoblade. Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah, he was right. Okay, with that, this is the Frozen North signing off for a second time. Uh, uh, if you you know stuck us stuck around with us yeah. uh, for the for the rest of this, we really appreciate you yeah. listening. And my name is JJ. My name is still Mark. My name may or may not be Brian, allegedly. And my name is Isaac. Make sure to check out my reviews on fngaming.net. Absolutely. For the second time, keep on gaming.